ESPN.com as he will talk to us about uh, the Big 12, Pac-12, or Big 10, excuse me, Pac-12, ACC Alliance. Certainly the the rumors that the Pac-12 is talking about having a press conference about expansion. What in the world is going on with college football? We'll get to all that with, uh, with Adam Rittenberg coming up here in just a little bit. Also, still to come on the show, we will hear from Mike Griffith, Dog Nation. We'll get the very latest from the University of Georgia. Now, just barely over a week out from the opening game against the uh, Clemson Tigers. So, so much more to get to. We'll get some uh, NFL props uh, and more as we are just uh, inching closer, closer to the start of the college and the NFL football season. And that being said, Ben, the, uh, the Falcons finish up their preseason on Sunday night. Does it worry you at all that the Falcons have not played their starters here in the preseason thus far? I know there's a couple of trains of thought as to why that might be, but as far as under the lights on a television set with people who paid money to be there, they haven't put the starters out there uh, at all here in the preseason. Is that bothersome for you at all uh, looking at this Falcons team with a new head coach? It is. It's very, very bothersome because you keep on you keep on saying to Kevin Arthur Smith, he's a new head coach. And I understand he's trying to establish what is gonna be his uh, you know, you know, what's gonna be his persona, what kind of environment is he is he trying to establish there? But Kyle Pence is a rookie. Calvin Ridley went from a number one to number, I mean number two to number one. You got to retool off his line. Mike Davis is a free agent, excuse <clears throat> me, running back. So it definitely bothers me because every time a coach thinks I'm going to reinvent the wheel. I'm going to do something different than nobody else is doing. I'm sorry, but what works in the NFL is tradition. What works in the NFL is one of them getting game speed. I know that these inter-squad scrimmages are the new wave. A lot of these teams are getting really, really good work with these uh, teams that they're playing in the preseason by having them come to either or either or um, uh, facilities and just practicing all week. I don't know, but me, you know, D. Orlando uh, told, told me and uh, BJ, Kyle Pitts against Miami, of course they're going to show you the play that he got open. You didn't see those other plays where he's out there and they're getting physical with him. So Kyle Pitts needs to work. The retooled offensive line needs to work. I heard a lot about Mike Davis at practice. Haven't really seen it yet in the game. So I, 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 it does worry me because it's always something more. It's more than just, well, we don't want them to play because they're in the squad scrimmage. Why aren't you getting them out there? I mean, I go back to, you know, you go to Urban Meyer, <coughs> excuse me, Trevor Lawrence, new head coach. Rookie quarterback. You put him in the game and he does rookie things, makes rookie mistakes. Well, I don't know what type of rookie mistakes Kyle Pitts going to make because I haven't seen him yet. I know what the expectation level is for him, but put him out there. You only got, you got three games. You could have let him play, what, game two, well into the second half, and then you got some type of game tape, but do not play them. You're treating Kyle Pitts like he's the number one pick at quarterback and not tight end. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. Arthur Smith, once again, he is the head coach. He, he think he knows something we don't, but I just don't. I just think that means that instead of maybe the first month of the season being kind of like their preseason for the starters, Kevin is probably going to go into maybe like, you know, maybe like well until like uh, the, you know, you know, fifth or sixth game because you're gonna have to iron out a lot of kinks. Yeah, and again, I know there's things that they're doing in practice, and Ben, I know you've talked about this. Uh, as well as there's a lot of things to get worked on at these inter squad scrimmages that we don't see. Obviously, those things are you know. It's situational. It's, hey, you're going to put together four plays. Well, technically, we'd have got off the field, but just run it back, and we'll, we'll keep working on stuff. But, I mean, that's that's not game, right? I mean, that's I mean, when you put the ball on the 20 and say go, or 
we put the ball on the 50 and say, hey, we're going to do two minute or we're going to do, you know, a goal line drill. That's not the same as having to put together a drive in a game situation or having to convert a third and six at the, uh, you know, plus 45, where if you make it, you're in field goal range or what have you. I mean, I, I, I again, I appreciate that Kyle Pitts is good. I appreciate that Calvin Ridley is good. Uh, you know, I just I it seems like the approach to football is any more. Uh, and, and I'm not saying it's a bad approach, Ben, but it seems like as an outsider's view, the approach to football right now is let's just not get anybody hurt, i.e. we'll cut way back on practice time. We'll cut way back on contact time. We won't play guys in a preseason. We want, and it seems like you're getting less football for your guys, and then people sit back and go, man, why does our team look so crappy? Well, it's, you, you haven't done some of these things. That, and again, that's just my perspective, but am, am I selling short what you're actually getting out of these you know, intra-squad scrimmages? I know the Falcons did it with the Dolphins before they played you know, last preseason game, but I, I mean... That can't still can't replicate game situation. Right? You're you're replicating situations, but not mm-hmm. a game situation necessarily. Yeah, and you're replicating things in practice. Who go out there and execute them in the game? The problem is you're not playing in the game. I know that when you talk about these inter squad scrimmages, that's still controlled environments. Like everybody has an understanding. The both head coaches come before practice saying, "Look, we don't want to have no fight." If listen, you agree and I agree. If somebody gets in the fight, throw them out. We're gonna want to get some good quality work in the run game. Uh, maybe in the passing game, maybe in seven on seven, maybe in one on ones. So you're getting you're getting the best because I'm going up against the starters on the opposing team. The problem is that's still not the game, and everything speeds up. Listen, practicing the sport ain't the same as out there doing. Every single thing speeds up. I want to see what type of instincts these players have when 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 plays break down. If there is a breakdown in the play, if somebody comes loose. Does that offensive line know, you know, how to uh, come off his man and be able to have, like, you know, that good peripheral vision? If I'm a tight end, do I know that I'm hot? Uh, if they do come, if the, if the blitz comes off my side, how do I convert from, you know, cover two to cover one? What, what my, it's a lot of things that can only happen during the game because the one thing that people don't talk about, too, is it's like it's like the Pro Bowl. They'll say, hey, man, we're not going to blitz in the Pro Bowl, man. We're not going to re- – yeah, but in the fourth quarter when the money's on the line, guys going to start really playing. Preseason is where I hone in on my skills. We know what Kyle Pitts is capable of, Kevin, but we haven't seen it. And think about that. If a guy is that good, show him to us. Yeah, man, but we're going to show you first game. So you're going to throw him out there with the live bullets. Yeah, we're just going to throw him out there first game and see what happens. Go to the first preseason game and watch the Tennessee Titans defensive line look like it got a bunch of all pros because they could not block none of them. I mean, Tennessee was all in the backfield, and people go, well, those aren't guys that's going to be asked to play. Yes, they are. Somebody gets hurt. Yes, it is. So I, I think that Arthur Smith might be overthinking it. You only get three preseason games because you added an extra regular season game, but you didn't play in the preseason at all. Patrick Mahomes played in the preseason. Like, I'm just saying, like, these guys are saying, look, man, I'm going to only get limited work. Let me go out there and try to, you know, I mean, I'm, hopefully I don't get hurt, but – uh. Yeah, Arthur Smith might have might have just over, you know, sometimes overthinking the Kevin is the difference in winning games and losing games. But number eight, Kyle Pitts, you see him walking out and you see him in pregame and he doesn't play. Like, wait a minute. Going through a pregame is not the game. Let him go out there and run around and let's see. But like I said, when if if the if the early season struggles become Games five and six and seven, people are going to be going back to the preseason. Arthur Smith, you had a chance because what you don't do in the preseason, you're going to have to work out in the regular season. 
Well, and again, I, I'm not saying I need to see Kyle Pitts play all four quarters. I mean, I, but you do, like you said, I want to see him a little bit. I want to see Matt Ryan a little bit. I, you know, and, and again, I'm not doubting that Matt Ryan's an all pro, but can he put a drive together for me or two drives? I mean, at least and just see how it goes. Cause I guarantee you come out and Matt Ryan goes 0 for 3, 0 for 3, or, you know, 1 for 4 throwing the football, and you take him out and say, that's it. And I'm not going to have a lot of warm and fuzzies about the first game. Not that he can't get better, not that he's not going to be better, but you go you know, put up a stinker a la like the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback performances. People are going to be saying, wait a minute, you're not ready to play. And, and again, sure. I look at it from a number of sports. Uh, ben, you don't look at baseball getting ready because to me, that would make more sense. Hey, baseball, d- just take it easy in the preseason. We got 162 games for you to get through. No, those guys go out there and play a couple innings. Then they play three or four innings, and then a couple of weeks later they'll play up to five, six innings to kind of get that uh, you know that stamina back. Same with the pitchers. And I think yes, while practice is good, it's not the same thing as going out and playing a baseball game. NBA, yeah, I don't need to see LeBron for forty minutes in a preseason game. I probably need to see LeBron for four or five at least, you know, just to let him work some of the stuff out against somebody else. And so uh, again, if we don't see Kyle Pitts or Matt Ryan or Mike Davis uh, really play at all. In preseason game number three, I think, you know, just a huge miss early by, by Arthur Smith. Because, uh, again, Ben, I, this is a team that was in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. I don't want to hear, hey, we're working it out the first three, four weeks of the season. No, you guys stunk last year. That's why you were picking in the top five. The, the, the time for working is out is when it don't matter. Now it does matter. I don't want Kyle Pitts going out there. You know, he has one catch and, you know, four targets and, and eight yards in game number one. And Arthur Smith comes in. Yeah, we we just, you know, we tried to get him the ball. It just, just wasn't happening today. Well, you had three weeks to see what he could do live under the lights and what works and maybe what doesn't. I, I, I just don't like working it out in a game that matters. To me, that's just if that's what they're doing. And maybe they're not. Maybe they're really getting better work in these inner squad scrimmages. But that makes me a little nervous that you're treating – week one and two or three of the real season, like the preseason. That's that to me could be problematic. Yeah. And I got to, I got to know what I'm getting. Like I got, I got to know what I'm working with. Practice practice is not always a true indicator of what's going to happen in the game. Practice is practice is what we are, who we're going to do in the game as far as like play calling plays. We're going to, what plays we feel uh, better about, don't feel good about, but you got to go out there and get it done. I mean, Julio Jones, he played in the preseason. Roddy White played in the preseason. I remember when Tony Gonzalez got to the Falcons, and I think he was already in like in like eight or nine or ten, and they had to keep him from playing from not playing in the preseason. The only reason why you don't play in the preseason is when you're an older guy and your legs just you ain't just got first legs anymore. I don't even know if Kyle Pitts is 21 years old yet. Put him out there. You got to know. And again, Kevin, everybody is moving up. If you're on the offensive line, you know, because Alex Mack is gone, you know, guys gonna be Playing around in different places. I mean, if you if you are Calvin Ridley, you're going from number two to number one. You're Gage going from going from three to two, and so on and so forth. Who's going to be your uh, number three? Is it going to be Kyle Pitts, or is it going to be Gage? I mean, how are you going to look at Hayden Hurst? I just think it's too many questions, and you can't be comfortable in the preseason when you were picking fourth. You should not be comfortable at all picking. In, we ain't gonna play, man. We good. Are you? Because you got rid of number eleven, and all I'm saying is. God forbid, you know, number 11 come out there balling, uh, you know, weeks one. And then, you know, Kyle Pitts, because they're going to compare Kyle Pitts' numbers to uh, the Julio Jones numbers because that's who they quote, uh, you know, he, who he replaced. But, yeah, Kevin, don't overthink this thing. Listen, if I got a pitcher 
and I've seen him pitch in my backyard, and I just run him out. Uh uh-uh, uh, no, 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 no. I'm, just, no, I'm telling you, he's nice. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm catching. I, I just think that sometimes we just make more problems for ourselves. Like you're making it harder because now the excuse is going to be, well, you didn't play him, you didn't play him, Arthur Smith. <clears throat> Arthur Blank is not the most patient owner, okay? You're going to have to go out there and prove that you're worthy of this, you know, head coaching job that he just gave you. I don't care if you, I don't care if your dad and him are best friends or not. He'll let your behind go in a heartbeat if it's gonna if it's gonna <laughs> help his team. So we'll see Arthur Smith, man. Hopefully this preseason gonna come back to bite him. We'll see, we'll see the Falcons finish up their preseason Sunday night. We'll have it for you uh, following Braves baseball on Sunday evening as the Falcons get ready for the real season, which opens up there in September. We'll come back, switch gears, and uh, talk some college football. Rittenberg, ESPN.com will join us. We are talking uh, Big Ten, ACC, Pac-12, Alliance. What the heck was all that? Does he even know? He'll try to explain it to us and more. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Dot com. Also, uh, catch us live streaming on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to our YouTube page at ESPN Coastal there on YouTube. Hit that uh, subscribe button. You get the notification every time. We go live uh, here on three and out, second down, and uh, even on Friday nights for our Friday night high school football coverage there on ESPNCoastal.com. So make sure you go to our YouTube page and subscribe there and uh, check that out. Always a lot of fun. We are efforting Adam Rittenberg, ESPN.com. And we will, if we get him, we will ask him obviously about the alliance uh, with the ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12. Kind of funny, Ben, that you talk about uh, that uh, before we move on to some of the other big storylines. But you talk about that. That was announced on what, Monday or Tuesday of this week, uh, the alliance between those three conferences. Almost immediately after that, in the next day, you had rumors that the Pac-12 was going to have a press conference next week talking about their expansion plans, whatever that is. And then uh, you also have the next big announcement following that is USC is going to play uh, against an SEC opponent uh, coming up in the not-too-distant future. So it's like none of it makes any sense uh, as far as, uh, you know, what this all means. But, uh, again, we were hoping Adam Rittenberg could help us straighten it out. We'll see if we get him here in the next few minutes. But, uh, again, just more absurdities uh, following that press conference earlier this week. Yeah, Kevin. And, oh, man, once again, you know, I, I, I keep coming back to Greg Sankey and saying, okay, if I'm the SEC, I'm just adding teams. I'm not. I'm just, I'm just adding teams to an already conference. They're making a super conference. I'm not calling any more ads because you realize when you start dealing with other conferences, you got to deal with the politics that go with these conferences. How do these conferences operate, top to bottom? And it goes back to 2020 when you start talking about who who's going to play, how we're going to how we're going to do everything. Greg Sanger came out and said, "Look, the SEC, we're going to trust. We're going to trust the medical experts. This is going to be our start time, and that's and and and, and that's going to be that." Then you had the trickle effect. Is the Big Ten going to play? No, we're not going to play. Hey, man, something come out and said, y'all going to make an announcement. No, we're not going to make an announcement. Then it gets it gets leaked on Twitter, Kevin, and then that was a debacle. Then you got the Big 12. What is the Big 12 anymore? We don't even know because they're – really, they're four – what? They're four – they're four big uh, – they're four big uh, – well, obviously, the two biggest um, teams. Yeah. Texas and Oklahoma is gone, but Mizzou and Texas and m is already in it. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, hey, man, that's why, that's why I do radio for a living. 
<laughs> we, I believe, found Adam Rittenberg at ESPN.com. Joining us here on 3 and Out. Adam, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing fantastic. Obviously, this has been a strange week for, for college football. We had an alliance made that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, what can you tell us uh, about that and, and seemingly the subsequent uh, announcements where uh, after the alliance was made, the Pac-12 apparently going to have a press conference about their expansion plans, and they also said Southern Cal is going to play a team in the SEC. So furthering uh, the, the head scratching, what can you tell us about end of the day? What does this even mean for college football? Well, I think it's a show of support that they're, you know, uh, going to be working together on a lot of things that are upcoming. I think it was hard to uh, provide very, very many details because this all came together very quickly. And, you know, people want to know what's going to happen with scheduling. That's hard to do when you have contracts that are in place for many years out and you have a schedule model that doesn't allow for very many openings. So I think what's going to happen is you're going to see the Big Ten and Pac-12 reduce their number of conference games from nine to eight which would then create a lot more openings to play one another. The Pac-12 just announced that it's not expanding, and this is really the alliance as a whole is, at least for now, seen as an alternative to expansion. Rather than uh, continue that, uh, Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, mentioned that the other day, usually when one move happens in realignment, it triggers a bunch of other moves, and this is uh, a, an effort to maybe stop that, to calm things down. Uh, they felt they had to announce this now because um, the, they felt the sports quite unstable and, and and it's definitely a response to the sec and, and the power that the sec continues to consolidate and you know with important discussions coming up on on the cfp and other issues i think these leagues with looking ahead to the future just wanted to be uh working together more than maybe against one another and maybe collectively against the sec and i mean how, where, where was that miscommunication at i mean you go back to the sec and uh you know, you talk about Greg Sankey being able to be in talks with uh, Texas and Oklahoma for over a year, did not leak. The same Greg Sankey was involved with the future 12-team playoff. There were no leaks. Why is it such a disconnect between these different ADs from, you know, uh, you know, uh, from the Big Ten, from the Pac-12, from the ACC? Because even if they're not going to come together, when they do decide to make a, a public statement, they should at least be, you know, uh, in alliance with that. I'm not exactly sure what you're asking, but I, I think uh, uh, as far as Greg Sankey, um, you know, w one thing that I know that this group privately was unhappy about is the fact that, that the playoff proposal came out in June that obviously Greg worked on with Jack Swarbrick from Notre Dame, you know, Bob Bowlesby from the Big 12, and Craig Thompson from the Mountain West, but that that went public without full input from the other leagues, especially these three power conferences. And you know, I think that's, that's a very unusual situation in, in, in how these things typically come together because once the proposal gets out, everybody assumes that, that that's what it's going to be, that, that when, when do we start the 12-team playoff? Let's, let, let's get going with that. And I think in reality, this alliance is, is trying to say, hey, we want input on that. We want to slow this process down. Uh, and, and there's obviously some, some other areas, the way the, the playoff contract is set out, the, the way the agreement with the SPN is set out that these conferences might want uh, you know, a different approach for the future. So, so we, we may not get a 12-team playoff right away. We may get a, a playoff that has multiple media partners involved instead of one media partner. So I think that's, that's part of that, that area. Um, I, you know, I, I, I hope I answered your question, I, I, but that, 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 that's definitely at the root of this to a degree is that, is that they, they, there was a lot of surprise and anger 
that 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 proposal went out at the time that it did without input from all of the conferences. And Adam, to follow up, it basically is when it, when you talk about different conferences trying to come together, how important is it is them to agree on just having one voice? Like I understand each conference has different things they're trying to get done for their student athletes. But if they are indeed going to come together, even if that's going to be in the future and not in the present, how important is it for no guy to say, look, can we just elect one person to speak on behalf of all of us? Well, because they're, they're still individual conferences. I think that's the challenge here is that you have individual conferences with individual television contracts and, and other agreements that are, that are internal. Uh, and so I think they're going to try to speak with one voice as much as they can. But it's going to be a real challenge, you know, with, with, with three leagues. And so uh, I think you heard that a little bit uh, the other day, at least attempted to, to, be, um, to be in lockstep. But, uh, you know, ultimately the Big Ten is in a different revenue position than the, the ACC and the Pac-12. And, and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to be renegotiating their media agreements in the next three to four years. The, the, uh, the ACC is not going to be doing that unless something changes dramatically. So every league is in a slightly different position. I just think that they, they feel more connected with one another about their vision for some of these important topics in college football, and that's why they decided to form this group. Adam Rittenberg joining us here on 3 and Out. And uh, now, Adam, we do have the season starting this weekend uh, with a couple of games, but uh, next week starting in Mass. And we've got a you know top five matchup, Clemson and Georgia. Uh, as you look at it, given the, the prospects for both of those teams uh, in 2021, uh, how, how big of a uh, game is that win or lose for either of those teams as well? Well, it's a huge game. It's not an elimination game, as we found out, but – uh, you know, the winning team will have a huge boost to its resume and a little bit of cushion going forward if they do lose a game later in the year. Uh, but I, I think these are two outstanding teams. You know, defensively, I don't think two programs have recruited better nationally on a consistent basis over the last five years than Clemson and Georgia. You know, I'm excited to see this Georgia offense, whether they can build off of the, the, the way they finished last season behind JT Daniels you know, with the same play caller in, in Todd Munkin. And then on the Clemson side, you know, now you move from, from Trevor Lawrence to DJ Oagalale and, and, and all the talent that, that, he, that he's got around him, but certainly some new faces, no Travis Etienne at Clemson as well. So uh, you know, I think there's almost more certainties on defense than on offense for both of these teams. And it's probably going to be the offense that picks it up the quickest, uh, whether it's Daniels in Georgia or, or DJ in Clemson, that, that ends up winning that game. But it should be a lot of fun and and, 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 again, not an elimination game for either team. And, Adam, even though it's not an elimination game, do you think Georgia still needs this win more than a Clemson? Because, obviously, you know, Clemson is usually just having his way with the ACC. Do you think Georgia needs this win? Not just from a confidence level, but they still got to deal with the ACC schedule. It would be good to have a team like Clemson already has a huge win on their resume. Absolutely. You know, I think Georgia ultimately is going to have to win the SEC to get to the playoff. But if they were to beat Clemson and then maybe lose uh, one, one game, in the, or even the SEC championship game, a very close game, you know, maybe they can get in as an at-large. Uh, it certainly helps their resume. And I just think from a validation standpoint, we, we've seen Georgia and Alabama. They, they haven't been able to beat Alabama. Uh, and so Clemson is the next best thing. Clemson has been the other you know, your dominant program during the playoff era. And so a win uh, from, from the Georgia side – I think would, would further validate that, that they're getting closer, right, to, to getting back to the playoffs 
and then ultimately getting over that hump and winning a national championship. So um, I, I would say it's a little bit more important for Georgia just because you know, they haven't been quite at Clemson's level uh, the, the, these last few years, and they're, they're certainly trying to get there. Adam Rittenberg joining us here on 3 Now. As we get started, who do you think has a chance to make the biggest statement in the first couple of weeks of the college football season? Well, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think Oregon, if you look at, you know, just the fact that they've won the Pac-12 the last two years but not made the college football playoff, you know, they have a huge opportunity in week two at Ohio State if they're able to win that game. I think a lot more people are, are watching Oregon and the Pac-12 maybe in a little bit different light. They'd certainly need some help from some of their league brethren to, to try to win some games uh, there. Um, you're trying to think of other teams that have, uh, I mean, obviously, the, you know, the Clemson, Georgia, but both of those teams just with such a big game right away is going to be uh, really interesting. I'll give you one uh, team that is maybe not right in week one, but over the first uh, four or five games, you know, Cincinnati, which is clearly the, the top team in the group of five, at least entering the season. I got a chance to see them practice last week. They have both Indiana and Notre Dame on the road in the first uh, you know, five weeks of the season, four or five games. If they're able to win those two games, you know, they have a game against UCF in mid-October, and, and, and wow, there'll be a lot of attention. Is this finally the team from the group of five that has a chance to get into the playoff? Uh, you know, they have no margin for error, as you guys know, but if they go out and win those two games, I think they have a, a real chance to make a statement. And Adam, even you know, a team like Cincinnati, you know, what they you know what they did last year playing Georgia really, really close in the Peach Bowl. I know a lot of te- I know a lot of people say Iowa State, Brock Purdy, those guys got a shot uh, to be one of the last four teams standing. Do you think college football needs to see, you know, some different teams make it to make it, you know, be there in the end? We know that you got to get goes through Alabama. Everyone knows that. But do you think teams like Cincinnati, who got probably the hardest road, or teams like Iowa State, who could break up the party, do you think college football wants to see that or do we know how this? Do we know how this uh, movie ends? No matter what happens during the regular season, right? Well, you know, I think we know how the movie ends. It's an important point when you're thinking about the college, the expanded playoff because I do think there needs to be variety. I do think it has to be a truly national playoff. But I always caution fans: it doesn't. It's not going to change who wins. Like like the teams that are going to win are the teams that have been winning. But that's not the point of expanding the playoff. The point is to is to have more teams that are part of it, more areas of the country that are part of it and more fans that quite frankly are engaged in the college football playoff. I mean, it's a business guys. And it's not just about, well, you know, same teams in every year cause they're the best. It's, it's about growing the sport and growing interest and, and making money. And the way you do that is to expand it and to uh, include, you know, West coast teams, Midwest teams, uh, certainly teams from the South are going to be there. You give, you give the group of five an opportunity as well um, and, 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 and create a little bit more variety. But to your point, the same teams are going to win. I, I don't see that changing unless, you know, certainly coaching changes and, and some other things that could happen. But, but right now there's a very clear and exclusive top tier in the sport. Adam Rittenberg, ESPN.com, our guest here on 3 Now. Adam, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. All right, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Adam Rittenberg joining us here on 3 Now, talking college football. The season gets started on Saturday. Then, of course, they just a host of football next week. I think actually starts a week from tonight uh, where you'll get the Thursday, because it's Labor Day weekend, Ben, you get the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday uh, combo of college football there just to get things uh, going. Really looking forward to that. We will come back with more. We've got our Southern Power Poll uh, to talk about that first one of the season. We'll do that next here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
a uh, kind of a confab between us here on the show. I believe uh, Christian Gokel uh, has a vote. Matt Smith, some others uh, in that poll as well. We put together kind of the, the joint poll. You can go check that out. First one of the year up on southernpigskin.com presented by Bud Light. That Southern Power Poll consisting of the teams from the SEC, ACC, and Sunbelt and kind of uh, ranking them there. And uh, Ben, want to give uh, you know some insight into how you vote. I know you said, look, with the other polls, we don't always get to see uh, how we are or how people are voting when it comes to this thing. So we're going to peel back the curtain here in this first week. We're going to let you reveal how you voted uh, in this thing. Give me your, uh, give me what your top 10 kind of looks like uh, here on, on week one of the college football season in your Bud Light Southern Power Poll. Well, well, Kevin, I'm, I'm going to do the Kevin Thomas, uh, you, know, uh, you know, 10 to 1. Because and, and and how I vote is, I mean, obviously you got the usual suspects. We we, we kind of know how the top two and three are gonna look, maybe even top four are gonna look, but I'd rather start from 10 going up. My number 10, you know, even though even though listen, I know this team uh, you know, uh really, really is you as a team that got some big time postseason aspirations, and I'm gonna start in the sun, but I'm my number 10 team is Louisiana. I know that I know it's gonna be a lot of talk about, you know, uh, App State and obviously Coastal and you know, you know, the two, the two GSUs or what, you know, what are they going to do? But it's, to me, I did it according to these quarterbacks. Levi Lewis is a really, really good quarterback. Saw him first game of the year last year against some Cyclones from Iowa State, and they beat the brakes off him. I mean, from start to finish, it was not a game. So my number 10 is Louisiana. Number nine, Mr. De'Ara King, step up, sir, for Miami. I think even though they got Alabama first game of the year, I think that they're going to be a really, really good team this year. Not really going to judge them on what they do against the Crimson Tide, Kevin. Because I don't think that's fair to him or Miami, even though I think that whatever they do, it's gonna come back to him. My number, my number, uh, my number eight, Texas AM. Haynes King is gonna have a lot to do with that. I mean, red shirt freshman, I think he was the number three dual threat quarterback in 2020. Get a chance to go out there and I try to make some things happen, replacing a legend in Kellamon. We do not appreciate how good Kellamon was what uh was for Texas AM, but give me the Texas AM boys. Next up. <laughs> Uh, surprise, surprise, them Florida Gator Navigators. Emory Jones, step up, sir. It's going to be time. And I know people are saying, can he play like Felipe? Can he play like Kyle Trash? No, can he be Emory? Establish an identity for yourself, young man. Do not start to swim in those type of waters because it's going to be a long season. But I do think he is built for the job. Next up, Sam, Sam Howe, UNC. Those boys got a chance to go out there and be really, really good this year. Sam Howe, last year, I think I think, I think, think the stage was a little bit too big for him, too, too much uh preseason um hype Kevin but I think a year to settle in his junior year definitely gonna be his last year at UNC but I even though he's gonna have to replace a lot on offense don't got that two-headed monster running back don't got those two receivers with the army brown those guys moving on but I like UNC man then you got LSU I think Max Johnson is a guy that's very very underrated and I and I, and I think that obviously he won the job you know because Miles Brennan got hurt but Kevin it's still about being ready. He proved that he was able to step in last year when Miles Brennan got hurt. Big, big win last year in the Swamp last year, and I think he's going to be a guy to win. You know, number three, Georgia. I mean, JT Daniels, that offense, that front seven. They're going to have a they're going to have a patched up offensive line. Still got twenty running backs you can hand the ball off to. It's going to come down to that secondary. And I was the number two and number, I mean, number two and number one, however you want to slice it, Clemson number two, Alabama number one. But I, it always comes back. But this but this is how we come back to this quarterback. You're talking about Bryce Young, DJU, JT Daniels, Max Johnson, Sam Howe, Emory Jones, Haynes King, De'Ara De King, Levi Lewis, 
And obviously, you know what I'm saying? I, no, I'm sorry. I, I kind of went from nine to one instead of ten. My number ten, I apologize. I, I saw her number nine. My number ten was Coastal Carolina with Grayson McCall. So we didn't get a chance to talk about them. Their, their head coach, though, uh, Kevin kind of told us. Jamie Chadwell said, look, might be a better team, but not in the win column. So we might be better, but it might not show up. But, uh, yeah, man, Coastal, Louisiana, Miami, Texas, and Florida, UNC, LSU, Georgia, Clemson, and surprise, surprise, the boys from uh, Tuscaloosa, the Crimson Tide, still number one. Yeah, not a lot of disagreement there at the at the top between uh, the two of us and the, and the Southern Power Pole, the way uh, I voted in this thing. And uh, my number 10, I think they're kind of uh, below the radar. I got a lot of kids from Southeast Georgia. Uh, the man himself, Dave Dorrance, NC State Wolfpack. I know people think I hate him, Dave. People think I hate on him. People think I hate him. I, I, I even called Dave uh, to tell him, hey, man, I got you guys top 10 in my Southern Power Pole. And uh, he had this to say. Uh, you could tell the excitement was right there uh, in his voice. No, what's funny is I like I can't look at the screen like we got something to queue up. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, we, no, no. we always got Dave Dorn stuff on, on deck. Like no matter what, yeah. we don't got we don't got to reach out to the school. The guy's a veritable quote machine uh, <laughs> when, when it's done at the end of the day. <laughs> but we move along. My number nine, I had uh, Louisiana uh, there for, for me at number nine. I think very underrated. If they get off to a good start the way they did last year, I think they're going to surprise uh, some folks, and they'll hang around there in uh, that top ten. My number eight is LSU. Really looking to see how they bounce back after a, uh, a uh, okay or bad season uh, last year. I know they feel like – hey. The guys with the opt-outs are back. I uh, got the, a little more experience back with us uh, as well. They feel like there's going to be some great things, but I still have them down at uh, at number eight. Let's see it uh, before we talk about it uh, there as well. Miami, I got it number seven, Ben. Again, I think they're going to have a rough go against Alabama to start. How do they rebound? I think determines if they go much higher up this list. If they kind of uh, do the Miami thing where they kind of hung their heads at times in games that you feel like they should win. Uh, they'll probably stay down in the middle of the pack there. My number six, I have Florida uh, there. Again, this is a team that to me is one of, I don't say volatile. That's not really a good word, but the the, the team that has the ability to move most uh, kind of up and down this list because a lot of people think they're going to be good, but they lost a whole bunch from last year. I think this is a play of how do you feel about Dan Mullen? If you feel like Dan Mullen is Got the benefit of the doubt with how he can coach his football team, with how he can develop offensive talent, then, yeah, I probably should move them up a little bit more, kind of like where you – I'm, I'm wanting to see it with Emory Jones, a guy that's waited yeah. his time to do it. My number five, North Carolina. Uh, I think they're going to fly under the radar most of the season because, again, outside of Max Brown – or Mac Brown, they got Sam Howell. Uh, but in, in football terms, they haven't had that sexiness. They don't have that sex appeal that some of the other teams have. And I think – People don't think like, oh, North Carolina football. Like they, they, they haven't got back to that consistent level. We're like, oh yeah, that's a team we got to worry about. I put them there at number five. What I said about Florida is why I have my next team at number four, Texas A&M. I feel like that to me. I put them at four because that's a Jimbo Fisher play. I believe in the system. I know they got a Haynes King, young quarterback. I'm going with the system over maybe what's right there on the field, and I believe Jimbo will have them coached up and in a position to compete. My top three look just like yours, Ben. Georgia, Clemson, Bama. I, I don't – until they lose, I don't think – and even you know one of them is going to lose. But until that, I don't think they're going to change. I think whoever loses will be three. Whoever wins will be two uh, in my book, and they'll probably just kind of hang out there until they lose again, if, if they do. Uh, so I think that top three looks pretty solid uh, right now with Alabama 
then Clemson and Georgia, one, two, three, in our Southern Power Poll. You can go to Bud Light, uh, go to southernpigskin.com for our Bud Light Southern Power Poll. You can see the uh, kind of push together uh, averaged poll. That's the official Bud Light Southern Power Poll there at southernpigskin.com. Tell us who your top five will be in the Southern Power, your top 10. Love to hear your thoughts there at Pigskin Radio. You can give us your thoughts there as well, where you'd have teams in that Bud Light Southern Power Poll. We'll come back with more out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. This is Kenny Anderson, former NBA All-Star, and you're listening to 3 and Out with BJ, Ben, and Kevin. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. I'm Thomas Ben Troop here with you. On this Thursday, glad you're making us a part of your day. Ben, have you seen the uh, the milk crate challenge that people are doing? Like, I, This has got to be one of the dumbest things I think I've seen people do on the Internet in a long time. And that is, uh, that is, I think, saying a lot when it comes to the Internet. But, I mean, have you seen – you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen it? Unfortunately, Kevin, I have. When I first <laughs> seen it, when I first saw it, I was like, what is this? You know, I was like, what is this? Right? Then – you know, like anybody else, I'm like, my guilty pleasure was, well, okay, if you're going, you dumb enough to get up there, like, it, it, keywords, milk crates, not human beings or human weight on the top, you're not going to make it. Then they had, I seen one that a cop almost made it, and he's going to get ready, to, and a guy just come and kick some crates off of my name and make him fall. Kevin, we, we, listen, man, we, we need something to do with our lives. We really, really do. I mean, so let me get this straight. We all coming out for the milk crate okay, challenge. Like, yeah, man, yeah, we out here just, where are all these milk crates coming from? Like, that's what, like where are they finding all these milk crates? Like, it's not like milk crates are just sitting around, hey, man. Well, hey, man, you still got the milk crates in the back. But now, whoever makes milk crates, I'm pretty sure their business is booming right now. Like, I'm pretty sure they like going crazy. But, yes, it is ridiculous. They had somebody yeah. that on heels that did it. It is ridiculous. It's a good time to be in the milk crate business. As you said, but no, listen, I, I look I look at it because as a uh, full disclosure, I worked at a grocery store in my younger years. And part of, uh, you know, in the stock uh, clerk role was you had to unload trucks. We would get milk uh, off the tr- trucks and those things are stacked, you know, five, six high, just like the one at the uh, at the top of the milk crate challenge. That's about how high they were. They was above my head, but they're you know, full of the stack, three rows across and three rows deep. So uh, that is it's pretty heavy. Even that. Bungee, not bungee cord, but tie that strap, tie strap together. It will wiggle. It will move with milk in it. You know, and just for people who don't know, a, a crate of milk weighs about 40-something pounds because uh, a gallon of milk is eight pounds full, had four in a crate. Those things are wobbly when they're full of milk, and you idiots are trying to step on them when there's nothing in them. Like, I can only imagine who thought this would go well. Like, I'm, I'm serious. Like, it's, like it's, it's not going to go well uh, when, when you try to do this, walking up. 
a milk crate staircase. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know why this got started, but I, I think I, I see some broke rib cages in, in a lot of people's futures. I, nobody on this network. Nobody. Cam, Christian, PJ, Kevin, BJ, nobody. Mark, Rich, you better not be doing no milk crate challenge. You're not, Cam, you might got a shot to do it, but Cam, everything goes viral. And don't do it, Cam, because if you fall, we will never let you live it down. Ridiculous. Jesus. <laughs> you get what you deserve if you fall off the milk crates. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I've seen it. It's just one of those dumb internet so much to get to. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. Your thoughts on the Falcons haven't played starters in the preseason. Your, your top five, your Southern Power Pole. Who would you like to see uh, there as well? And you were also live streaming the show, ESPNCoastal.com. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can catch the show if you're not with us on the radio network. A lot to get to this hour. We'll look at the last preseason game for the Falcons and Jags. Two di- completely different scenarios in the way we've handled uh, the preseason at this point. Also look at some NFL props uh, that are out there as well. But it is 4 o'clock. Let us take three here on 3 and out. All right, take three, guys. Take three. Yeah, hit us up. All right, Chase Young was caught on camera arguing with a opposing player during the preseason game. Young, whose night was done, yelled, you're still in the game, shut the bleep up at the player. Is that the most devastating thing you can yell at a player during the preseason? I think so. I mean, because the thing is, <coughs> one guy was like, you know what? When I get on the field, I'm going to say something to Chase. And, and like, all right, I'm going to say something to him. I don't think he's that good. And Chase had to let him know what was really going on. Partner, you in the game. Yeah, like, I'm not not in the game because the offense is on the field. I'm not in the game because I'm on the team already. Like, I don't even got on shoulder pads. I got on my jersey with nothing underneath. You, might, this might be your last game. So while you focus on me, you better be focused on that team in front of you. Don't be focused on me. Because <coughs> Kevin, what Chase learned real quick was this. The goal is to become a starter, a.k.a. a focal point, a.k.a. a contributor to this team right now. And when Chase said, you, you need to shut up because you on the field, he's like, hey, why does he keep saying that? Because, dude, he's on the team. Like, why is he not going to play today? No. He don't, he don't even play for Atlanta, and he ain't playing today because he is a starter. That is the reigning defensive rookie of the year right there. So just because we out here together <laughs> don't mean we out here together. You better, you better focus on your assignment, young man. That's right. I think in the preseason, very much so, because I think the only other logical uh, burn to that would be you're sitting on the bench. Like, I'm out here making plays. What are you doing? But that doesn't really carry water in the preseason because you don't want to be in, the, in there making plays if you've already made the team. So, yeah, I think that's probably the best little burn you could get uh, somebody in the preseason. Like, hey, why are you talking trash, man? I'm already on the team. What are you doing? Uh, I think that's the I think that's the best. Me me personally, I, I it, it wouldn't bother me. I'll look at them and be like, hey, man, I'm making money. Look, that, that that's how I feel. I'm making money. Um, I'm out here playing football, baby. I'm I'm playing professional sports. So, whether I play or not, Ben is the preseason. <laughs> Are you making money in the preseason? Yeah, you, you 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 make you make a check. You ain't you ain't you ain't this you you ain't gonna be able to pay your rent with it. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you that. Right? And they're gonna, they gonna tax you on that. And, and that's the thing, though, Chase. Listen, you talk trash cam according to what the scenario is. This person. Said, I'm gonna talk trash to Chase. He wasn't expecting Chase to say that bad. Chase was like, No, no, no you need to be quiet because you on the field. He's like, What you mean? I am on the field, and you're not. That's not a good thing at this point. Sure. Like, you being on the field right now means you might not be on the field when it counts. What? Blue 42, you better look straight. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's good trash talk, man. That's good trash talk. Take two, guys. Um, fun, fun prop bet. More interceptions for Trevor Lawrence or more losses for the Jags? I'm definitely going to go with the more interceptions for Trevor Lawrence because, number one, I mean, when they get 17 games, they're probably going to, even if they win seven games, that's still 10 losses. He's going to force a lot of balls. And if you've seen anything about Trevor Lawrence, what's dangerous about him, he trusts his arm too much. Like, Trevor Lawrence has never lost in the regular season. Not in high school, not in college. And, and the thing about it is he's saying, look, man, I'm good enough to get us there. Make up with what? This team won one game last year. What? So now what, you gonna get us a two wins, three wins, or we gonna win the AFC South? Young man, please, you got an offensive line that can't seem to block the guys in front of them. You got receivers that can't separate, and you got a head coach that makes dumb, dumb decisions because he thought 10 people. Anyway, I'm gonna go with more interceptions for uh, Trevor Lawrence, 17 games. He's gonna put the ball in the air a lot, especially with Travis Etienne being out for the season. I, I would go, I would go, uh, Trevor Lawrence, more, more, uh, more picks. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, more picks than uh, than losses. I think they're going to have quite a few. I think uh, you look at Joe Burrow, who came in uh, in a in for a bad team, but they kind of you know, he didn't make it the whole way. But in nine games, he threw five picks. Uh, so if you kind of keep that, I think Trevor Lawrence is on a worse team uh, than Joe Burrow kind of went to. I think you're definitely going to end up with more picks. Than losses for Jacksonville, I think to me that that seems like a pretty pretty easy one to do, Ben. I mean, rookie quarterback, not really elite receivers, questionable offensive line. We'll see about the run game. I, I think you know you're probably going to want him to throw it a decent amount. I'm what Peyton Manning had up in the twenties. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're if you're you know Trevor Lawrence and you actually make it the whole season, uh, you're probably looking at I would say easily twelve to fifteen. Right. Oh, he, I mean, it turns. Yeah. Oh, he gonna, he gonna, well, he's gonna. He, 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 he's gonna. He's gonna get up there, Kevin and uh, and Cam. Because once again, I mean, when guys be like, "Hey, man, even the best players throw picks," and sometimes, you know, 50-50 ball, 50-50 ball, it could go the other way, and sometimes it will go the other way. But it's him staring down receivers and understanding that dude, these DBs, they get paid money to cover a lot of ground in a very, very short amount of time. I like Trevor. But yes, he's gonna be throwing picks, and he's gonna have to use the throwing picks. He's just gonna have to learn how to listen. If you can throw a pick and make a tackle, make it. But if you think you're gonna throw your shoulder out, let that man run it in for a touchdown and live to play another series. Nah, I mean I agree with you guys. Uh, I think it's gonna be close. Uh, I don't see the Jags being that good this year. I think Trevor Lawrence will throw about 14 to 15 picks. I think the Jags will get about 13 losses this year. But yes, I go with Trevor Lawrence throwing more picks. Uh, because of the simple fact of what you, what you guys say, he doesn't have a lot of weapons around him, doesn't have a lot to work with. Battle line, first-year head coach. Um, everybody thinks that Texans game, the first game of the season, is going to be a gimme. I think it's going to be tougher than what it is. Um, he's going to have his ups and downs. He's a rookie. So I'll go with the more interceptions with Trevor Lawrence. Um, and so on take three, it's National Dog Day. So what is the best live dog mascot? Let me just go ahead and put out a disclaimer. This is a, this is a Christian go kill question if I've ever <laughs> yeah. seen it in my life. I mean, I don't care what Christian says. Don't give me that. It just happens to be. I'm not going to pick who Christian think I'm going to pick. Never in life. So, I got two actually, though. I played high school football in high school at Butler High School. There is a there is a college that has the same as Butler Bulldogs, obviously. But the Bulldog is Butler Blue. His name is Butler 
blue. He wear like a nice little, you know, like little blue little cape looking thing. You know, he out of looking good. But Kevin, for this, I'm gonna go to my dignitary. Hold on, my Ivy League. Dun, 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 dun. I'm gonna go with Gail <laughs> with Handsome Dan. Their their mascot's bulldog named Handsome Dan, and he uh he he has a negative reaction to the color of crimson, which happens to be their rival. But yeah, give me a dog named Handsome Dan that gets to ride around Kevin and what like a what like a like a like an old like an old school uh, whip. I mean, he looking at other dogs. He looking at other people going, "Is this what y'all do?" I don't even do this. I I can't remember the last time I my my paws didn't touch nothing for pure silk underneath them. So give me Handsome Dan at Yale, and obviously Butler Blue. No, I did. I did watch a little, uh, like an E60 on Handsome Dan. Like, dude, get carted around like he is the uh, the king of England, man. Like he, uh, he get, like I said, he gets in a car that drives him to the stadium. Like, not like, hey Ben, I'm in the car and the dog gets in too. No, the dog gets in in the back and they drive him to the stadium where he gets out there on the field and people come up and take pictures. Then I think I don't know if it's every game, but they have like an after party. After the football game, they take Hanson Dan to the house where he gets on his little, I don't know if he wears clothes, I think he, but he gets like a little necktie, a little bow tie up there, and he walks through the house and everybody's like, oh, we're here for you, man. And so that dog gets treated like royalty. But I will say this, controversial take of the show, I, I, I'm not a bulldog guy, man. Like bulldogs to me are like the ugliest dog that's out there. Well, I'm just saying I'm just saying, it's like, I love dogs, but the Bulldogs, like, got the pushed-in face, and it's all fat and wrinkly. The only dog I'd say is worse than the Bulldog is a pug. Like, there are people like, oh, I love my pugs. Like, no. Those things are like little fat rats. Like, when they run when they run around, they are. You know what I'm talking about. Shout out to everybody out there with a pug. Y'all look like a fat rat. It's at Fishes and Gravy. Holla at Kevin. I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, I, I, bulldogs to be like, I know people like them, but like, if you ever like been around a bulldog, like you go to people's house and like, they snot and drool everywhere and like, don't worry about it. It's just him being a bulldog. And he's like, got the wrinkles and he's fat and he can't breathe. And so he slobbers everywhere. Like, no, I can't, I can't deal with that. And pugs are just, I don't know. That the, the pug, if it was up to me, the pug would win the ugliest dog of the year award every year. I just, I, I just don't, I'm, I not, I'm not a big fan of pugs. But I mean, but no, the, the, the best live dog mascot to me, uh, Smokey at Tennessee, blue uh, blue right. tick hound, beautiful dog. His face isn't pushed in and uh, wrinkly. He, so on, he okay, barks so at. Time, so every time somebody show you a bulldog, you like this. They just, I mean, are they looking at the same thing? You don't look at that and go, oh my god, that is a beautiful specimen. You know, I get why people like. I get why people like different things, but like bulldogs and pugs, like I don't know. There's just something about like they don't have a nose. I don't know. It's just weird. Uh, I mean, I know, and, I, and I know we're talking to a lot of dog owners out there. Listen, it doesn't have anything to do with the with the football team or anything. It's just the physical bulldog. It's like I don't want one of those. What, like, about, what, about, just, a, what about a French bulldog? Look like a bat. It look like a little bat in the face. French. No, I, no, I don't nah. know. <laughs> no, nah, I don't like bulldogs either, guys. I, I was gonna pick Ugga. I said on second down Ugga, but then Christian brought up a name of the uh, husky at UConn, and his name is Jonathan. I think that's just a funny name for a dog, man. <laughs> so I'm Steve taken. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go with the dog. Name? His name is Jonathan. And so that's what I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to do the dog at UConn, the Husky at UConn, Jonathan. I just think that's a cool name for a dog. Um, Jonathan, he said somewhere else. I want to uh, say it was a school in Mexico. I think he said they have two dogs. 
um, one is named uh, Victory and something else. Uh, and, and no, one name is Vic. Yeah, one name is Vic and the other is Tori. So oh Vic Tori. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where Christian finds this at. I don't know where he finds it at. Oh my God, man. <laughs> yeah, guys, but that concludes. Bomb Ugga. Bomb Ugga. No, Bomb ben, 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 you can't make too much fun because isn't he, I mean, no, it's not the live mascot, but. Is it uh, in the two Florida mascots, Al and Alligator? Oh, no, no, no. What? No, no. It's, 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 no, no, no. It's Albert and Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, you know what? All right. These well, mascot okay. names. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, I, if I ever started school and have a dog mascot, I was naming Rick. Rick the dog. Rick the dog. I mean, what's that, Jonathan? I like Jonathan. Jonathan. What's that, Jonathan? Yeah. Over here, now. Nah, I like that. I you like can't that. sound like you're intimidating. Jonathan. And you're over there going, Jonathan, Jonathan, come back in this house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, man. And, and, uh, and I don't want to hear the backstory of why Jonathan's name is Jonathan. His name is Jonathan. I don't care. His name is Jonathan. He's a dog. He's the only dog on earth named Jonathan. Period. Yeah, yeah only, only dog on earth named Jonathan, the husky. In, in UConn, I, I don't know how they came up with that name, but hey, I don't know how they um, I don't know how they came up with that name. <laughs> That's how you know it's like a good like you know how when you when you say something you got to say it out loud. Like if you're thinking about naming your kids, I think people should say it out loud. Like, yes, you hey, you, hey, I love you, but like if you're doing a dog, you got to see what you're gonna sound like when it gets out the house and is running down the street and you're trying to chase it. And you're going like, Uga, get back. Now that sounds okay. Or, but you're going, Jonathan, get back over here, Jonathan. Like, no. Like, I've never heard anybody run down the street calling their dog Jonathan. Not going to happen. It's three and out. Let's take, let's take three. We do it each and every day. This time we'll come back with more. Some NFL prop bets. We'll hit those next on the Southern Pigs and Radio Network. Got some prop bets for you coming up here on uh, the NFL season. I uh, want to get your thoughts on Ben uh, as well. We'll start with a couple just see what you think. We talked about the uh, the interceptions to wins uh, thing there with the Jags. Cam said, look, I think he's going to have 14-15 and the Jags may have 13 losses. Well, that will mean he would take the under on this first one, which uh, the over-under Jags win total, which is six. That will put him at, what, six and 11 if, uh, if that plays out. Uh, this division is probably the, the easiest division in football. When you talk about, you don't know what to expect from Carson Wentz. I mean, Deshaun Watson is he gonna start? I mean, you, they still ain't gonna find a way to tackle um not Julio Jones, you know, uh, as well as uh, Derrick Henry. But I, I I'll say over. I can see them getting the seven wins. I mean, because you know, at the end of the season, it might you know the season might be over them. Maybe they're just trying to uh you know respect the building Kevin. So I would go over. I would say, uh, you know, uh, give me over. I think they'll have seven wins. Man, I, that is like right. I, I hate to put, be like BJ Bennett, be like that is like right at a number I would like feel good about. But if I can't stick with that, I'm going to go under. I don't know if I'm willing to go as far under as Cam uh, under that number, but I will go under for uh, for Jacksonville uh, there at six wins. I think that's that's going to be tough for them. I think to get that if they get past that, I think Cam. Or, I mean, excuse me. I think. Uh, 
Trevor Lawrence will have played amazingly well, and Urban Meyer probably would have done a heck of a job of, of coaching that team. What about the Falcons here? Falcons win total at seven and a half with the over-under. Mm, seven and a half. This division going to be tough. Jameis Winston is, you know, he, he look, he looking, he looking good in preseason with New Orleans. Carolina always plays Atlanta tough. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go slightly over. I do think Atlanta is gonna be very competitive, even though they won't play the starters in the preseason. Arthur Smith, what the hell going on with you? But that's another time for another day. I'm gonna go over, Kevin. I mean, because once again, you get that extra game, so maybe they get the eight, maybe nine wins. So I'm gonna go slightly over, but I will take the over. And again, uh, man, I, I have said I will take the. I've said I thought the Falcons would get eight to nine wins, which uh, under the old schedule you would say, man, you think they're right there. I, I think of the new schedule, you're talking about an average to maybe slightly below average if you get eight, be eight nine or nine and eight, depending on how you go. I will say the Falcons will go over. I feel like they're in that eight to nine win range. I feel like last year they really underachieved uh, in a number of areas. Hence, why you made the coaching th- change. I think the you know. The bloom was off the rose with Dan Quinn, and uh, that team just wasn't going to uh, recover. And again, as we've seen in the NFL, uh, Ben, you get to a certain point, and the team, front, at least the front office, kind of says, you know what, don't matter. Uh, if we go ahead and lose the rest, that's fine. Uh, you know, We'll get a better draft pick and improve our team that way. I do think Falcons will be better. Give me the over. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say 8-9 is where I feel really good about it. Calvin Ridley, over under 9.5 touchdown receptions. I'm gonna I'm gonna go under and and not because I don't think Calvin really is gonna be a really really good number one. I think that when you're looking at what he's gonna get, he's gonna get double covered a lot more. He's definitely gonna kind of it's gonna be a pick your poison. The closer they get to the goal line, I think that Kyle Pitts and Gage and you know maybe even Hayden Hurst and those guys can take some of those touchdowns away from him, which is a good thing because you're spreading the ball around. So I think that that's a good solid number. But I would go under not because I don't think he can. I just don't think he's gonna have to. I think they're gonna spread those uh, touchdowns around. So give me under. Again, I think under the old regime, I'd feel really good because they couldn't get the ball to Julio Jones in the end zone. Uh, at least that was the perception. It is the touchdown numbers uh, were, were down. I'm going to say over. I'm going to go over nine and a half. I think he's going to be a focal point uh, of this offense to get him the football and allow him to go out and make plays. I'm going to go over. A couple more here, uh, Ben, before we, uh, we have to move on. Aaron Donald, over under. 12 and a half sacks. And again, we have 17 games to get to some of these numbers, but 12 and a half sacks. If I'm not mistaken, I think that Aaron Donald had 13 and a half. One year he did lead the league at like 20.5 and freaking defensive tackle. Listen, I don't like to go against this man they call uh, Aaron Donald. He is the best defensive player in the NFL, and that is not by opinion. That is truth. But I'm going to go under uh, Kevin. He's getting older, and I understand he has a crazy regimen. I understand he keeps himself in phenomenal shape. I understand he beats these double teams up for lunch. But I think that they're going to say, hey, in order for us to be successful against the Rams, we can't let 9-7 beat us. We got to make sure that old, that old Aaron Donald is being neutralized. So 12 and a half last year, only getting getting older for all the time, you know, it's undefeated. So I will go under, slightly under, but I will go under. Yeah, I'm going to go under. I, I think that's, I mean, you look at some of the numbers he's put up uh, from an interior defensive lineman spot as well. You're like, man, that's ridiculous. I, I just don't, again, even with 17 games, that is a tall task to get 12 and a half sacks from that position. I'm going to go under uh, that, even though if somebody was going to do it, it'd probably be him. I'm going to go slightly under that 12 and a half uh, sack mark. Najee Harris, rookie, over under seven and a half 
rushing touchdowns for Najee Harris. Oh, I'm over. I'm over with that. I, I, I think that Najee Harris is a star. I think he's built to be a stiller. If he can learn to not leap over people, and yeah, I would be the one telling people not to jump over somebody. If he can keep over his feet playing, I think he's going to get in the end zone a lot. I just think he has a nose for the end zone. I think that Ben Rosenberg is older, and I know he got, you know, uh, you know, uh, Clay Poole and those guys and Juju Smith shoes and those guys. But I think when you think about stealing football, we're talking about a guy that's a three-down back. So I'm going to go over for Najee Harris. A guy that's built, came out the womb, ready to be a Pittsburgh stealer. I mean, that's that's like one touchdown every two games, running the football. It's the Steelers. I, I, I mean, I, I agree, Ben. It's the Steelers. Like the last, I mean, everybody they put in there seems to be able to run the football uh, on some level. I'm going to say Najee Harris goes over and probably goes way over uh, seven and a half in that scenario. And finally, Ben, the Texans will be the lowest scoring team in the National Football League. <sighs> I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go over. I, 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 th I think what happens is well, there's no over. It's either yes or no. You well, wouldn't take right, it. Or I'm gonna, well, I'm, I'm going to go. No, I'm going to. I'm going to go no, because this is the thing. I mean, <clears throat> we know the usual suspects, right? Like, we, we know we know about, you know, like what Pete Mahomes is going to do and what, Tam what Tampa's going to do, you know, uh, in different teams. But the Texans, they didn't have – I mean, I know that I know Deshaun's going to play eventually. I think Deshaun led the league last year in, uh, in uh, passing yards. But I think what happens is, too, though, Kevin, when you got an underachieving team, they're going to do more on offense because they're going to be out there longer because they're going to be in game. So I'm going to go, no, I think they won't be the lowest scoring team. I just, listen, Indianapolis, I'm telling you people, it could get ugly up there. I know y'all y'all put a lot past those guys. I mean, Jacksonville, we don't know what Jacksonville is going to do. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is a rookie. Handing the ball off to James Robinson and trying to find, get the ball to Chanel and Jones and, and Chark, we don't know. Then you talking about Miami, Tua. We we hoping that they go out there and ball. Did you see? Did you see New England last year? I love you, Cam, but my God, it, Cam Newton. This is his stats last year. I think he had fourteen touchdowns rushing, and I think he only had like five passes. It's a lot of offenses out there that's rough. So I'm gonna go no on the Texans. I just think that we. I, it's something that Cam said. People chopping up that first game of the year. Jacksonville gonna get that dub based off of what they won one game last year. Please. They're gonna have a long season. And it was the first one. And yeah, it was the first, the first one. And and listen, forget forget falling off a cliff. They fell off the planet. You, you couldn't even find them. So I'm gonna go no for Texas. I think they're gonna be better than people think. I don't know, man. To me, it's all about if Deshaun Watson plays. And if he doesn't, then I, I think they could be pretty bad. Uh, at the end of the day. So I will say, yes, they will be the lowest scoring team in the National Football League. So there's just a little fun with some prop bets uh, as they are coming out here in the National Football League. But when we come back, we'll keep our National Football League. We talk about the Falcons not playing uh, their starters yet in the preseason. We are coming up on the last week of the preseason. What generally uh, do you get done that last week? And how will teams treat this that it is the last week, but it is just the third preseason game. We'll get to that next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. What does the preseason look like game three? And, and again, this is different because this is the last one. Now, we've had fewer of them to get ready for a 17-game uh, schedule, but under normal circumstances, the last one everybody sits out. But we've seen different approaches here. The Falcons basically have said, look, our starters are just not playing uh, in the preseason. Uh, we'll see if they play on Sunday night. But uh, typically, 
what do you what what is the last preseason game like uh, for guys who are on the bubble and, and guys who feel like they got it made in the shape? Wow. Uh, <clears throat> if you're if you're a guy who's on the team, your goal the last week of the season, I mean the last preseason game, is to give as much uh, information, as much encouragement as you can uh, to the guys that got to go out there and play. Because there are certain guys, they're getting ready to play their last game of football ever. And when I say ever, I mean they will never, ever put on a helmet again. I know people talk about the, the CFL and the XFL and those type of things are out there. But this is this is, this is is my – I mean, Kevin, this is my last interview. This is my, be- my last chance to put my best foot forward. But this is what you really get about the uh, – for the last preseason game. You're interviewing for 31 other teams. Some guys will get cut by the team they're on, and depending on the performance you had against the team you're playing against or previous teams, they'll bring you onto their squad. You will walk out of this facility, and you'll fly to another city to play on another team. And, you know, and I, and obviously I'm speaking from a, from a place of a guy who never was in danger of not making the team. I can only imagine what those guys are going through because – all you can control is the, is the next play. So 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 if you were well, on the team, go ahead. You said you weren't in danger of get of not making a team. Did you ever feel like you were? Yes, yes. Because I, I mean, because that, that's just an interesting dynamic of you know, hey, well, a lot of guys well, like obviously well, Tom Brady goes out there is like they're not cutting me. But I well, mean, my thing is this: it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't necessarily good. Listen, my rookie year, good God, thank God I was second round pick. It would not have been because of. Uh, my my play on the field. It was because of my draft position, but it's what the other it's what the veterans are saying. I, my first two years, I got Steve McNair, so he's telling me, "Hey, man, work on this, work on that." So I'm out there working on different things because that's what I'm gonna be on the field with. Um, going into my third year, it was me and Billy Volick. We out there vibing, and Billy Volick is not even gonna be. You know what's crazy? Billy Volick had about as good as a as a uh, preseason as you can have, Kevin, and then. He didn't even make the team. He was a starter all preseason and got let go. You know, right? You know, you know. So I, I just, I just think that I don't think people understand. You spent your whole life looking to get to this position, and it's going, and it could be over in a matter of hours. So I don't play around with that. I'm only, on, I'm only on the sideline encouraging those guys. Because while it's great to be in a position to just have on my jersey and to know I'm getting ready for the regular season. I'm rooting for those guys. You build relationships with these people. It's rough, man. The, the, the business is rough because you got to kind of taper your mind to what's what's happening and what's coming. So this is the last preseason game. Let's encourage these guys. I'm over there talking to the tight ends, telling them, hey, man, make sure you're doing this. Make sure you're doing that. Because this person can either be on the practice squad. They can bring them back on the victory, man. But it's crazy, Kevin. The, the last preseason game, you are in the fight for your life. This, this is for the, your NFL life. And – I know that we we talked about what Chase Young said to the guy on the field. Like, you still on the field. Well, if you're on the field this last game, it's because one, they need to get another look from you, and you're a rookie that they that they know is going to be a contributor or two. Man, they're gonna give you one last opportunity to make the best, a lasting impression on another team for another team because some of these rosters get built from other teams. I mean, this is what people don't know. Victor Cruz, the great Victor Cruz, Victor Cruz. Obviously, uh, was an undrafted free agent to uh, to the Giants. They played against the Jets. Obviously, you're trying to save money. They play in the same stadium. Uh, uh, Rex Ryan told Tom Coughlin, hey, man, I'm thinking about getting that Victor Cruz kid. What? Like, Victor Cruz is going to walk out of, you know, the Giants, you know, the Giants facility and walk into the Jets. 
But listen, they featured Cruz during that game to show them, and now he's going to be on our team. And obviously the rest is history with the career he has. So it's an opportunity, Kevin, but at the same time, it's going to be a lot of guys, man. They're about to play their last game, and it's unfortunate, but that's the business. You only got 53 guys, and if all the starters on offense and defense are on there, okay, so that go what? That go 22 guys on the sideline, not not, but really 25. You got kick-up, punt, and long snapper. So it's 25 guys over there. You got your rookies, and you got a couple of free agents signed the free agency. When I first got to the Titans, they had 40 guys that was already going to be on the team, and we had – 14 guys that was drafted. For those of you who can't add, that is 54 people. That means we had to cut a draft pick, and we also had 40 guys come to camp. I'm just saying, you got a bunch of guys that's not going to make the team going crazy. It's crazy, man. But uh, shout out to all those guys, man. I have nothing but respect for every last guy because I know how crazy it is. Did, did anybody ever come to you and say, relax, Ben, you're on the team? Like I mean, uh, like did they ever come uh, to you and say, I'm, I, I, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, like even if you know you feel pretty good, did they ever say like, "Look, man, you're 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 the starter. Like, it's you're fine." I, or they simply not tell you you're cut? I mean, like, because I gotta uh, imagine there's plenty of guys that feel like, "Yeah, I got a good shot at this thing," but you know, they they won't just say, "Hey, you're on the team." I mean, I guess they would Tom Brady crazy, or somebody. But... So my rookie year, because you're naive, you don't know. Steve McNair told me in front of a bunch of other rookies, "Hey, yo, rook, a four. What's your name, Ben? Yeah, look, don't make friends with those guys because they won't be here." That's how he talked to me. Don't don't get close to those guys because they won't be here. And I'm like, because I don't I don't know the process. Now that's my fr- that's my that's my rookie year. My sophomore, my sophomore. my second year, I, I broke my foot. So I didn't play in the preseason. But you know, listen, it's me and the dude named Bo Shovel. Me and Bo got drafted both in 2004. We on the we on the training table. Uh Coach Fisher looks at me and says, Hey Ben, take your time. He looks at Bo and says, Hey man, you might want to get back. Think about that. Two two different scenarios. Hey Ben, take your time. Bo, <laughs> you might want to get help. Right? That's my second year. My third year, Aaron Kenny, my my saving grace, man, my freaking guardian angel, the guy that took me under his wing. Listen, we get to training camp. We in the meeting room and coach, oh, 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 I'm sorry, before we leave, Ben, you the starter. Ben, you the starter. Bo, you the backup. Then you got Aaron Kenny. I'm like, man, what? Let's go. See you guys in practice. Right? I'm like, and, and mind you, that was the writing on the wall for Aaron Kenny. I'm telling you, Kevin, it's crazy. Decisions are made every single day. I didn't know I was a starter until I got the training camp. Like, I didn't know. I'm in that say AEK. No, being you just listen to go out there with the first group. You know, it's, I'm telling you, man, it's 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 wild. I I like hard knocks. I think it shows stuff, but it doesn't really show it. It's it's rough, man. It's almost like this. If it's if we got resumes and they said we got 32 teams that got I don't know, 15 slots for every team. But you got 40 resumes up there. And certain guys at the top because they draft picks. Think about this. If you're not a first, second, or third rounder, you can get cut. What do you mean? Fourth through seventh round, you can get cut. So you might be playing in your last game too. I've seen it. i tell you what, Dexter Jackson, Appalachian State, second round pick in 2008. I was on the team. They got Aqib to lead first round. <coughs> Dexter Jackson second round. He played his rookie year. He got cut in year two. No, I'm telling you, man. It's it's <laughs> listen, Josh Rosen, eleventh overall pick. Been on five teams in four years. Nobody safe. But enjoy yourself, man. Go out there and have fun, though. <laughs> 
How about that for a motivational speech? Nobody's safe. Nobody's go safe. Go out, go, 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 go. Listen, go out, listen, go out there. You know, listen, I'm, tra- I'm trying to tell Kevin, it's it's the big leagues, man. It ain't. Per- listen, I know this is, it's not personal. Trust me, it's not. It seems harsh, but, man, sometimes you got to see it. I'm a good pass rusher till you see Chase Young. Like, good Lord. And that's and that's the barometer. I'm a good defensive tackle till you see Aaron Donald. Man, you expect me to do what he does? Yep. But I'm telling you, these barometers are, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Tom Brady's going to be 50 years old, starting in the NFL, because he, <laughs> he, he won't go home. I'm just, Kevin, look. Hugh Douglas, you are a philosopher. As much as you can, as fast as you can, and get the hell up out of here. Shout out to Hugh Douglas. <laughs> can you imagine being the guy, uh, if, it, if it ever came to that, to go up to him and go, hey, uh, Tom, uh, bring, bring, bring oh, your playbook. And at the final preseason game, you got to come in the next day. Like, you have to come in, and you could be coming in to seal your fate. Like, listen, listen, they got your cell phone. If your cell phone rings the day after the last game, they either, listen, they got to call you to either one, tell you you made it, or two, tell you didn't. But they got to call you. Like, people, hello, come up to the office. Oh, my friend. I'm telling you, when I got cut by Tampa, they didn't even tell me. You know who told me? My brother. I played on Sunday against the Falcons. I went, I went and watched the tape on Monday. I went I, on Tuesday, I went to work out. I'm at the facility. My brother said, Man, you just got cut by Tampa. Like, no, I go home, I look at the TV, ESPN, and bottom line, being true gets released. I said, What? I'm telling you, it's, it's hey, man, <laughs> it, it happens. It happens. Did anybody ever call you and tell you, or you just. Mark, Mark, Mark Dominic, who, Mark Dominic, who was the scout that brought me in, uh, you know, to give me a look, he became. Um, uh, Rasheem, Rasheem Morris, who became the head coach, was the assistant DB coach. So Mark Dominic went from being in a room that had a TV, that had a VCR in it, that just showed you how far back it was. He went from that to the freaking GM. He went from that. To, he went from a scout to a GM. Rasheem Morris went from assistant DB coach, DB coach, defensive coordinator, head coach. All this happened in a month. And Mark Dominic said, yeah, man, anything you need or whatever. I'm on my way to Atlanta. I go to Atlanta. I don't make the team. I go to Oakland. I get off. The, I get off. I get off the plane. I, you know, I wake up the next morning. I try out Lane Kiffin. I go on that running routes with Lane Kiffin. He's the head coach. I look up in. The, I look up on the second floor. They go Al Davis giving me the thumbs up. I go sign my contract. I go take a shower. I put on some clothes. I go to the airport. I fly to Buffalo, and I know nobody on the team. Nobody. That was my week. Welcome to the NFL, people. <laughs> <laughs> we got more to come here. Three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Uh, just quickly, the Falcons haven't played their starters uh, at all uh, here in in the preseason. Really, no Matt Ryan, no Kyle Pitts. Uh, I know you could say they've been in these intra-squad scrimmages uh, that have been taking place. But, uh, again, uh, if, if you're Atlanta, how much stock are you putting in that versus, you know, actual game footage? We'll see him Sunday night. We'll see how much Matt Ryan plays. Do you think the Falcons might treat week three like maybe a week two game where we see Matt Ryan for – a quarter and a half or so, or is it just go out there and run something, get off the field? Or if you, if that's all you're going to do, why even play them? I mean, how do you think Atlanta approaches this thing? Uh, because I haven't seen them at all. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they did go out there and try to get some type of continuity with this offense. I mean, you haven't seen you haven't seen all these guys together. And when I say all the guys together, it's the offensive line. It's Matty Ice, you know? 
I mean, it's Mike Davis. This guy, it's Kyle Pitts. It's, it's Ridley. It's Gage. It's hurt. You want to see these guys because I keep going back to it. Tom Brady's not playing in the preseason because he's probably coming off a of surgery and they just being delicate with him in practice. Patrick Mahomes in the preseason. Kyle Murray's in the preseason. Lamar Jackson's in the preseason. I mean, I don't understand this this mindset because you you can't think that you're good enough to just show up on game one and everything's going to be fine. Look, Arthur Smith knows. I mean, he sees these guys every day in practice, but practice ain't the game. And I go back to something D. Orlando uh, Ledbetter said when he was talking about Kyle Pitts when he was in the end of scrimmage with Miami, it didn't look good with some of those safeties. You're not going to just be dominant from day one just because you were the highest uh, draft of tight end in the NFL history. But, Kevin, once again, more te- more games have been lost for overthinking than the actual game plan themselves. Your game plan going into the uh, going into the preseason was to not play your starting offense. And you got a patchwork the offensive line. Guys playing different positions. We'll see. But you make your life harder on yourself from a division. If the AFC, listen, if the AFC South is the worst division in football, the NFC South, man, it might be the hardest and toughest division. So we'll see. But Arthur Smith, you dug a hole for yourself that you didn't have to. And Ben, we talk a lot about in, in baseball, hey, I need X number of at-bats to get ready. Hey, you know, hey, Freddie Freeman, I'm a, I'm a grizzled veteran. I need 58 bats for I feel like I'm ready for the season. I mean, if you're an NFL veteran, is practice enough? to get you ready for the season? Did you need some live game action? I mean, uh, if you're Matt Ryan, if you're some of these guys that haven't played, is that simply, look, I've got enough reps in practice, I'm good to go? You buy uh, that? Y- yes and no. For certain guys, yes. I think I think reps and practice is enough. The problem is it just depends on what that position is. Like, if you're Matty Ice, you haven't built no type of rapport in, game, in games with Kyle Pitts. Like, you just haven't done it. And – no one player is good enough to just show up and just turn on that switch, Kevin. I mean, I'm just saying you need – there's a reason. Why, for those who don't think if preseason didn't matter, it, it wouldn't be happening. If preseason games weren't a barometer, we wouldn't be playing them. You want to know what you're getting. Jamar Chase, the best receiver in college football in 2019, sat out in 2020. You know what he got a case of right now with Cincinnati? The drops. You know who he's throwing the ball to him? Joe Burrow, the same guy that he got famous with in college. It's throwing him the ball now. The difference is he ain't catching that pigskin. There is a difference, people. You need to get out there. So, Arthur Smith, if you put Matty Ice and those guys in for the first quarter, even if they're going up against backups, you want to know what you're dealing with. Well, hey, I know as players, you don't want to play. I mean, I mean, that's like the, the – uh, you've said it a bunch of times. If you gave me the option of playing in the preseason or not playing in the preseason, I'd say, no, I'm not I'm not going out there. But, man, I, I look, I'm, I'm not saying it's doom or gloom. I just question if you don't see Matt Ryan – or, or, or Mike Davis, or any of these guys at all in the preseason, if that is a good way to go about it for a team that was awful last year, vastly underachieved. Got about 20 seconds, Ben. I just think that, Kevin, I mean, I, I understand the strategy got to be different, and maybe you want to make sure you keep guys as injury-free as possible. But continuity is built in games. You work on you work on the plays and practice. You work on your execution in the game time. We've got more to come here in the final hour of the program. Mike Griffith, Dog Nation, will join us. We'll talk UGA football here on Three and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Up here in the final hour of the program, also uh, Giants and Braves uh, going to uh, be playing tomorrow night. Braves with yet another day off, so a rare two-day off stretch here for them. But uh, they've got a big series with the Giants coming up 
And uh, we're just a couple of days away from college football getting started on Saturday. So that being said, Ben, we look at uh, a couple of days out from getting the season started, a little bit more in a week out for pretty much everybody in college football uh, fully getting going. But the uh, biggest concerns here for some of the top contenders in football, we'll start here at the top because I don't know how many concerns you might even have. But uh, what is your biggest concern for Alabama here as they get ready to get started? Bryce Young. I know, I know he's, the, I know he's the next guy up. I know he, I know he's the guy that's highly taught. I know he's the guy, another California kid, uh, from the you know, from the same area as DJU as JT Daniels. But, but Kevin, when you think about quarterback in, in uh, Alabama, it's different. It's different now. You, you know, you, I mean, from from uh, Jalen Hurts, the tour, the Mac Jones, that you don't want to be a drop off, and they expect Bryce to be, you know, uh, as athletic throwing the football as a tour. Dual threat like a guy like like Jalen and being able to uh, take control of the offense like Mac Jones. So it's going to come down to Bryce Young. I know um, in the in the garbage time that he got in last year was didn't really overwhelm um, when he did get in last year. Even though the game was over, but for me, for a team that doesn't have a lot of holes, doesn't have a lot of you know concerns, I would go with the guy you know uh, behind center. So give me Bryce Young. Well, I, and again, I I appreciate that pick, Ben. I I just don't. Look, who's the last Alabama quarterback that just absolutely underwhelmed? And I'm saying that, like, I'm not saying they had to be the best in college football, but you're in a run here, as you said, Mac Jones, Tua, Jalen Hurts. Before that, you're uh, – McElroy, A.J. McKinney. No, it's, it's, it's a lot of guys. I, I, think, I think for Bryce Young, they, I think A.J. McKinney, I think – um, Tua, those Matt, those guys wanted when they they when they first year started. What I'm saying is, it's just the expectation for him. I mean, I know he's gonna be good, but it's uh, the weight of the world is on the shoulders of Bryce Young, and you know we'll see if he can handle it. All right, what about Ohio State? Wow, I mean, I think it's gonna be defense. I mean, the thing about Ohio State underwhelmed last year on defense. I mean, we used to them having a Bosa, whether that's Nick or Joey or Chase Young, kind of fell off a little bit. Sacks. They got, uh, they got this position called a bullet position. It's like the hybrid safety linebacker. So can that defense go out there and be the re- – once again, Kevin, be the reason why they win games and not just win in spite of them? Because what I saw last year, with, uh, even though it was a very, very sample, you know, small sample size when they're playing seven games, even though I think they only uh, played in six, uh, that defense just did not look good. So with everything they got come back on offense, and you know they're going – you know, with Chris Lave and those guys, they're going to light it up. Give me that defense for Ohio State. I think that's been the been the key there. Yeah, I mean, you look at even with some of the the games they've lost to Purdue and some of those uh, questionable ones. We're like, what happened? It was mostly uh, on the defensive side of the ball where some mistakes happened. I agree with you, Ohio State and that defense. What about uh, Clemson? Where's your biggest area of concern there with the Clemson Tigers? Oof, it's Justin Ross back. Two years ago in the national championship game, Justin Ross just took it over him and Trevor Lawrence. They had a, they had a connection that. That 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 uh that overwhelmed that Alabama defense, and obviously last year with his next situation, uh he couldn't play. So it's Justin Ross back, and kind of like one B is this defense didn't play up to that that Brent Venables type you no know, type standard last year, Kevin. I mean they won a bunch of games because they're in the ACC, but not what we used to be with TFLs and, and sacks and all that. And I know their defense line is going to be crazy. So give me uh it's Justin Ross back one A, and obviously that defense one B. And what about uh, Oklahoma? Where's your biggest area of concern uh, there for the Sooners? A lot of folks, and again, I haven't seen it yet, but we saw a lot of preseason polls even said, no, Oklahoma's number one. 
uh, out there in, uh, in in our poll. Forget about Alabama and Clemson and Georgia. We got Oklahoma up there, number one. I'm going to go Spencer Rattler, not from a not from a not from a uh, not from a talent, but expectation. You know how it is, Kevin. It's one thing when you're a good player, but but listen, you you own all the magazines and everybody's expecting you. Once again, we're talking about Kyler Murray, talking about Baker Mayfield, we're talking about Jalen Hurts. We're talking about a guy, Spencer Rattler, for which they expect him to kind of get back in that, that front runner of the Heisman. But not just win the Heisman, win the whole thing. You, we know, we know, we know y'all run the Big 12 right now. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, whatever you want to call the Big 12 right now. We know y'all run that, but can Spencer Rattler, uh, you know, meet expectations? I go back to a James Winston type, even though they didn't win the national championship last year, uh, even though they beat the brakes off my Gators, even if it was the B team or whatever you want to call it. Can Spencer Rattler deal with those preseason expectations, Kevin, and not let the weight of everything, you know, kind of overwhelm him during the season? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's going to be interesting uh, to see what happens here with with Oklahoma. Again, they've had expectations, but they have also been the knocking on the door, not knocking down the door uh, kind of team here as of the last couple of years. What about, uh, Georgia, your biggest area of concern there? It's going to be the O-line. Um, Georgia doesn't have a lot of holes either. I know they're still waiting on Eric Gilbert to show up, you know, if, if he's back with the team and playing again. I mean, JT Daniels, all those, all those uh, running backs, you know what you got on the outside with Burton and Kiaris Jackson, those guys. It's going to be the O-line. And that's crazy, Kevin. When you think about a team like Georgia, you would think the O-line would be, you know, uh, the foundation of that team. So the O-line and, once again, I got a one beat the secondary. With, uh, you know, when they say to being out for the season, and then you're talking about a guy like, you know, Darion Kendrick coming on, coming over from Clemson, two out of your four guys weren't even on the team this time last year. So give me the O-line, which is going to be the foundation, and give me that secondary because they're going to have to come together in a hurry, especially when you don't have no depth there. Yeah, I think that's the, the key there is that uh, the back end there, how does it hold up, especially in that Clemson game? What about Texas A&M as they, uh, they get ready? Obviously, a lot of folks have kind of preseason hyped them as the team – I would say the team to beat Alabama, but the team with the best shot potentially of beating Alabama here in 2021. I'm going to go with Haynes King. I mean, being able to replace a guy like Keller Mond, people don't, people, people don't really, really give Keller Mond a lot of credit for what he did at Texas A&M. Well, he's the big reason why, you know, uh, Jimbo Fisher could just make an easy transition coming from Florida State to Texas A&M. But Haynes King, a lot of big season expectations. I mean, Kevin, they're a team that could potentially win the West. I mean, you look at what they got, the two-headed monster at uh, tight end, a big-time defense. So, for me, it's going to be replacing Kellerman, Haynes King, seven to the offense, being a redshirt freshman, being the, I think he was the number three dual-threat quarterback in, uh, in 2020. A lot of pressure on him. But if Haynes King can get that offense going, they got a shot to be real good. Yeah, I mean, I think that is the key. I, I kind of picked him in the, the Southern Power Pole up there because I kind of believe in the Jimbo Fisher system. Uh, that Haynes King, I will say, who's he going to consistently get the ball to? Who are the playmakers around him? That would be the area of concern. One, it's on him to get it to him, but are they going to help him out, uh, you know, at the end of the day? And finally, Ben, we got one for you here. What about Cincinnati, the Bearcats? Uh, they're a team that's got a lot of preseason love, top 10 uh, in the preseason polls. What's your biggest area of concern there with them? Man, the schedule. They got three They got three teams on the schedule that can derail everything. None bigger than Notre Dame. They got Notre Dame, they got UCF, and they got Indiana. Now, the thing about Cincy, people are going to look at the way they played against Georgia. We'll look at the final result. They lost. Cincinnati, they got a really, really good quarterback, but I think for me, Kevin, Notre Dame, you know, listen, listen, the brand, there is Notre Dame touchdown, Jesus, like it, don't like it, it matters who they play. Then you look at UCF, a team that's on the, a team that's on the uptick, 
that seems to uh, kind of have that uh, us against the world type of talent, thinking people ain't respecting them. And Indiana, a team that, I mean, if Ohio State, you know, don't play the way that Indiana could have, you know, could have uh, been a team that made some noise last year, a little bit more, you know, in the Big Ten. So I'm going to say the schedule with Notre Dame, UCF, and Indiana will decide what type of season and obviously Cincinnati is going to have. Yeah, going to be interesting to watch them. Uh, obviously, uh, Desmond Ritter, their quarterback, is going to have a lot of eyes on him. I think what you said uh, earlier for someone else uh, is going to be interesting uh, here with Cincinnati. That's the expectations. People are actually looking at you right now and saying, not, oh, there's a little team from the act uh, that's uh, hanging out over there. This is a team that, you know, is top 10, and if they can win their games, might be on the outside looking in late in the season at a potential, you know, playoff spot. I still think that's kind of a long shot, but I mean, I think that is one of those where you start seeing mid-majors hyped up about doing this and that. And sometimes when they're new to the game, uh, you fall short of those expectations in, in the bad way where it's like people say, oh, you got a chance. And then you end up nine and three or something like that. And I, I remember we used to, uh, uh, hear a lot back in the day when it was, uh, you know, the BCS and you'd see a team, I'd say before they joined the Big 12, like a TCU or something, they'd be sitting out there at 8, 9, and 0, and you're going, and they start saying, well, what about us, man? We're not getting any love. We're out here at 13. We're out here at 12. Okay, well, you got to finish to get there. Let, like, just calm down. And then invariably they would lose, and it would fall apart because they're more worried about where they're at than they pull than finish. And I think that could be something uh, Cincinnati falls trapped to of, hey, they're not giving us any respect. They're not giving us any respect. Well, just worry about who you're playing this week and and figure that out and if they if they can i think it'll be an interesting story there at the end of the year for cincinnati yeah cincinnati and two things in cincinnati you know or three things kevin expectations the schedule and the weight of carrying the flag you know what i'm saying you know for you know for g5 like it's always hey man hey who's going to be that team in the g5 is going to get in that gets that gets the work that gets uh you know college football uh to, to start taking more of a look at us now it might just be these uh, New Year's Six Bowls. That might be the highest they can do. UCF, when they got to play, uh, you know, Auburn one year, LSU the next year. Last year, you look at Cincinnati. They got a chance, uh, you know, to play Georgia. And what happens is UCF beat UCF beat Auburn one year, Kevin. Everybody goes crazy. Next year, they play LSU lose. No, no one really talks about UCF anymore. So for Cincinnati, it's, hey, man, we got to continuously be good for more than just us. So, I mean, Notre Dame, you know, uh, UCF, and obviously Indiana – Got a lot, gonna have a lot to do with the season, but I do think expectations because it's one thing to play well when no one's really expecting you to. It's another thing when you're on the radar, like an Iowa State, like a, like a North Carolina, like a Miami, to kind of break up the party at the top. But hey, man, that upper room, man, it's something special. But you got to have a car on that elevator to get in that room. Everybody will not get up there. So I, I just think that for me, if Cincinnati can run the gauntlet, if they can beat Notre Dame, they obviously can beat UCF and Indiana. But sometimes, Kevin, it could be counting how many healthy bodies you got left after Notre Dame because we don't like the evil empire known as Notre Dame, the brand, but they are playing really, really good football right now. Brian Kelly got those guys playing well. So we'll see. But Cincinnati, man, welcome to the big times. If you want smoke, man, go out there and handle your business. You got a, They got a quarterback that hasn't given up a freaking touchdown in two years. You talk, you know, you, I mean, you talk about Desmond Ritter. They got some players. But once again, Kevin, they did lose to Georgia because Texas – when they beat Georgia, they say, we don't want to hear about who didn't play. you got to finish the job. If they, if they can't finish the job, I mean, good games only become great games if you can finish the job. 
I certainly agree with that. We've got more to come here in the final hour of the program. Michael Griffith uh, going to join us coming up in the final hour of the show here in about oh, 30 minutes. Uh, we'll chat with Mike Griffith, Dog Nation. Uh, we'll get to him just about a week out from Georgia and Clemson, get the very latest there from Athens. But uh, the countdown is on for sure to college football, about two days away uh, coming up on Saturday from getting this whole thing rocking and rolling and we don't have another saturday without college football till january so uh, get ready for it buckle up we'll talk about that when we come back it's three and out on the southern pigskin radio network Uh, every thursday night six o'clock when we're done here our own PJ Zuko get you ready for the weekend that's coming in high school football on uh, Friday night. So looking forward to that coming up here in about uh, 40 minutes or so. Uh, PJ will get you caught up on what's about to happen here this week in high school football. But uh, something we've been doing around the office, uh, Ben, I know we, I look forward to it. Every kind of sets the mood, you know, like people say, you know, it's Christmas time. You start listening to the Christmas carols or watching your favorite Christmas movie kind of puts you in the mood for the holiday season. Well, ESPN every year does like the best games of the year prior. Uh, and that kind of gets me in the mood for college football. When you start looking back and thinking about all the great games that were out there uh, in 2020, uh, what would what would be some of your picks for the top couple of games that we saw a season ago? Uh, one that stands out is uh, Notre Dame-Clemson 1. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was out due to uh, COVID-19. DJ Uangalele, we got a chance to see him. And he went, he went, listen, he went toe-to-toe with Ian Book in Notre Dame. They did not lose the game because of him. They lost the game because the defense forgot to show up, uh, Kevin. But it was a back and forth. I mean, if you love offense, I mean, you might have thought, hey, man, is this Big 12 football? No, man, this is ACC football. You just got two offenses going up and down, you know, up and down. But I, I and I know BJ would appreciate this. We are undervaluing Coastal Carolina and BYU. Zach Wilson being the number two overall pick. You got a Heisman Trophy final. Uh, you know, candidate coming to uh, Conway. People thinking, no, who are these guys in this teal field out here calling themselves the shot to clears? Well, ask, ask Zach Wilson how those guys play football. And, and Kevin, I know when you said, I mean, you know, Hugh Freeze, right? Hugh Freeze. So, you know, obviously because of everything that didn't, that uh, kind of ended it right there at Ole Miss. But when you look at what he's doing at Liberty, I mean, a good game against freaking uh, Coach Carolina would have had an undefeated season because obviously they didn't have a Sun Belt Championship game was what co-champions uh, them in Louisiana. But I think Liberty and uh, Liberty and uh, Coach Carolina was a good game. And obviously, uh, we just talked about it. Cincinnati, Georgia, uh, in the freaking Peach Bowl, they got a freaking. I can't remember the nickname of their kicker, but he has a cannon in his freaking leg. I mean, so yeah. So for me. Kevin, uh, you know, Clemson Notre Dame won. Obviously, BYU, uh, BYU, uh, you know, Coach Carolina. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, Liberty and Coach Carolina and, you know, uh, the Peach Bowl, Georgia, Cincinnati. Yeah, they really did. They had two of the great uh, games of the year. I mean, that one with uh, BYU came down to the last second. I think uh, actually their bowl game with Liberty was one where I think uh, they were undefeated. Liberty had just one loss. And it was kind of the uh, battle of the two of the top mid-majors. Uh, I say mid-majors. Excuse me. Group of five. Let me be uh, politically correct there. But, uh, you know, in the bowl game, they came down to, a, I think, a blocked field goal in, uh, in overtime was the difference in the ball game. It was just truly unbelievable. I know the playoffs, you could say, well, did we have great games here or there? I know uh, you said, you know, Ohio State, Clemson. It wasn't a great football game, but you said it was kind of like Justin Fields well, coming it, out. It was, it was, even though it, was, even it, was, it, was, it wasn't it was really, but it kind of was on the right, national it, stage. Well, no, it was redemption. 
for Justin Fields. Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, both Georgia boys, right, came out together. One goes, one went to Georgia, another went to Clemson, and obviously Justin Fields is known for a, a fourth and seven, you know, against Alabama. That's what Georgia fans know him for. I, it's not his fault, but this is the thing. This is just me. Just going back to that play. <clears throat> Justin Fields plays quarterback. Check. Justin Fields doesn't play special team. Check. Justin Fields wears number one. Check. And he's the up back on the punt. So if I play on Alabama's, I don't know, punt return team, and I'm like, if I'm going to do a fake, you might not want to do it with the quarterback that wears – I'm just – if you're going to do a fake, kind of do it with the punt, punt, punt team. Because, I mean, Kevin, think about this. If, if you and me on punt – I said, all right, Kevin, me and, you, me, you and BJ, we on punt cover. BJ the punt returner. We won't, we won't have to do nothing with the kid. And there go Justin Fields. Like, the goal is to look at something peculiar. Hmm. Don't Justin Fields play quarterback? Yeah. Why is he on the punt? So, but then you look at Clemson. It was uh, – you know, Clemson played Ohio State 20, um, 2019, and obviously Trevor Lawrence got the better of Justin Fields. With Justin Fields throwing a pick at the end of the game to uh, to uh, for Clemson to go to the national championship, and obviously they played LSU this year to twenty twenty. Uh, Justin Fields gets some kickback because they're gonna be compared to each other, right? Number one, number one quarterback. I think uh, Trevor Lawrence was the number one pa- uh, pocket passer. Justin Fields was the number two pocket passer. Justin Fields was the number one dual threat. So, yeah, Kevin, you know what, Kevin, I mean, look, we've all played a sport. It don't have to be at the highest level. When I want I want to play against that guy they compare me to, and thank God I got some kickback. Because if you play against the guy, you get the better rub, you never play him again, you go, man. But, see, so Justin Fields got some kickback, man, and obviously. And Justin Fields went to the better situation, right? One goes to Jacksonville, no taxes, but you got to play in Jacksonville. Other guys in Chicago, Khalil <laughs> Mack, different story. So, yeah, man, I, I thought that Justin Fields and Ohio State, they put on a clinic against a Clemson defense that might that you know I mean Coach Venables, what he makes what three million dollars as a decoy? That's that's more than certain head coaches make. So yeah, give me Clemson, uh, you know, give me Clemson Ohio State two, even though two was uh you know uh from you know from a year prior. But yeah, man, some great games last year, Kevin. I mean, you got to see a lot of great players you know come out there and get things done. I mean, the national championship is the national championship. But hey, man, I'm not gonna put Florida nowhere on this list. I got my, I always got, you know, I, you know, you know, I always got my front runner shoes on, Kevin. But right now yeah. they're being washed. They're being washed right now. <laughs> but well, I think again, those uh, those preseason games or the recap games always kind of whet the appetite for what's to come here. We've got college football that counts coming up this weekend. We've got more to come here on Three and Out. Braves off again, but they've got a big series coming up with the Giants. We'll get to that next here on Three and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. off again tonight getting ready for a big series with the Giants Braves despite being off uh last night still five games up in the east and again we'll see what happens uh this week in a tough series with San Francisco San Francisco leading the west so two division winners going at it uh here this weekend the Giants with a two and a half game uh lead over the Dodgers and 15 up over the Padres who are in third place so just for reference the Dodgers or excuse me the Giants have won 82 games the Braves have won 68 both in first place in their division the the Giants with the best record in the National League at 82 and 44 unbelievable baseball so a big series in Atlanta coming up this weekend Ben uh for Atlanta yet another series you just lost two to the Yankees uh that you can't afford to mess around or you could find yourself uh getting swept 
uh, by a really good Giants team. Yeah, uh, Kevin, I mean, how soon we forget, right? We, we do get caught up in these. Uh, we do get caught up in what the Dodgers are doing right now, man. What, uh, you know, not too many years removed for what Houston has done. But we forget. I mean, we're not, we not so many years removed for San Francisco. Old Pablo Sandoval, I remember he was out there uh, with them Giants, man. Lipscomb and those guys. I mean, I'm just saying, and think, think about that. Both both in the majors. Braves at 60-something games, 82 for San Francisco, two up, two up. So if you're the Padres right now, you're saying, man, we got to catch them. No, 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 no. You know, <laughs> don't games. I, don't, I don't even know how many games left in the season, but you're not going to catch. It's safe to say they're not going to be caught by the Padres, even if uh, Tatis is playing incredible. But no, Kevin, it's another it's another test for this Braves team, right? Like, I I, I don't know if they still playing down the bad competition, but good competition seems to bring out the best in them. This 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 pitching staff is seem, seemingly coming around. Uh, no lead is safe. Because we always talk about how when you go to the bullpen, no lead to save when the Braves are leading. No lead to save when the Braves are down, too. I mean, you got some bats. Freddie Free, once again, is that is playing at a definitely playing at an all-star level and playing at an MVP level. It's Austin Riley playing at an MVP level. I know it's about I know Dansby Mansby and uh Ozzy, but Kevin, how impressed have you been with Austin Riley? Because that was supposed to be the real question mark in the infield, right? How how is gonna be his plate of uh, appearances? Obviously, he's shown a lot of promise at third base, but the Braves infield might – I don't know if it's the best in baseball, but it's got to be top two, top three. It's getting there. And, again, I think you're right. Uh, Austin Riley was a big question mark from a, an offensive standpoint of, yeah, he's got the potential. Can you do it consistently? And he went through a little phase earlier in the season where people were like, oh, man, it may not happen. And now people look back and say that was a ridiculous take. It's uh, He's been just on fire. And I think that's part of the maturation process where in baseball sometimes you gotta you got to wallow in the, uh, the struggles a little bit to see it come out on the other side. And I think that's what we're seeing with Austin Riley. He's been uh, just absolutely unbelievable from an offensive standpoint. And that's something that if the Braves felt that that was going to happen, it would take them in this direction. When he was bad, a lot of people say, look, maybe he's not there. We need somebody that can do it consistently. And he's kind of figured it out uh, here this season for the Braves at the plate. And, and at just the right time. I mean, again, from an offensive standpoint, the Braves are looking at one of the best hitting infields uh, we've ever seen in terms of home run power. Uh, it's un un unbelievable. So uh, sit back and enjoy Braves and Giants. Not tonight. They will start tomorrow uh, there in Atlanta. A big series with San Francisco best record in the National League. We'll come back. We're talking dogs football. Mike Griffith, Dog Nation, will join us when we return. It is three and out on the Southern 10 Radio Network. How are you? Doing great. Hey, a little bit more than a week out. How's Georgia feeling about their team from a health standpoint? I know you have guys that have been banged up, but a uh, health standpoint, how are they feeling about a week out here? I think Georgia's feeling a lot of momentum coming out of that second scrimmage. You know, they got a little bit healthier, and obviously the injuries to Darnell Washington and Tyke Smith, George Pickens, you got some marquee guys out. That they hope to have back by the end of the year, but... I think Georgia feels good with what they have. Uh, it's a challenge, obviously, uh, but we've seen some guys make some real progress in fall camp. I mean, when you when you think about this Georgia team, obviously, you know, I, you know, dealing with the injuries is one thing, but this offensive line. I mean, what I've grown to know since since uh, Kirby Smart has been there, just incredible offensive line. How did this offensive line this year compare to offensive lines of the past with Georgia under Kirby Smart? And is it more of a patchwork offensive line, or do they got guys that's ready and should be ready to go from uh, game one? 
Yeah, that's a tough comparison. You know, the last uh, last five guys have all gone in the NFL. I, I think you have five future NFL linemen starting, but to your point, you know, they don't have the same sort of continuity that they did, you know, there 2017, 2018, I don't think. Uh, there are some new guys getting plugged in. I think they feel good about Jamari Salyer. I think they feel good about Justin Schaefer. I think there's a question about the center position. Cedric Van Pran looks like he's going to be making his first career start with that Warren Erickson hand injury at center. Uh, Warren McClendon was a freshman All-American last year, and uh, we're hearing really good things about Tate Ratledge in the run game. So I think it's an offensive line that's still probably in the the top uh, 4 or 5% in the country, uh, but it may not be quite what it was the last couple few years. Just kind of a quick follow. Sounds like maybe they have. I know throughout the early spring, it seemed like they were trying to get settled on who they liked where. Are they in a good place for that uh, going into Clemson, or is there still going to be some uh, potential game shuffling there if they define a guy that fits best in a certain spot? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think this is a an offensive line that's going to evolve. I mean, you're really waiting on a couple five-star guys, Broderick Jones and Amarius Mims, to – really assert themselves and get comfortable at those tackle positions and maybe Jamari moves back inside the guard. But either way, I think Georgia feels comfortable that they have eight or nine guys that are game ready. Uh, so I think you're going to see some guys kind of rotate in here and there. It's not ideal, but, you know, it's hard to be in midseason form in the opener. I mean, it's, uh, you know, that's what makes it kind of exciting. I think both teams have a lot of questions that they need to answer, neither one really at uh, where they'll probably be at the midseason mark. Mike, was so much made about this offense, right? JT Daniels, even with <coughs> even with um, George Pickens gone, Darnell Washington gone, I get it. But no talk about the running backs. And the thing about it is, when you talk about a patchwork offensive line that you think guys might be playing out of position, is it going to be more run heavy? Not because JT Daniels can't handle the load of pushing the ball down the field, but doesn't that make the offense go when you got running? When you got so many running backs, Milton, I mean, you got Cook and Samir White. Do you think by the end of the year it's going to be more run heavy with the addition of the pass, or do you think they stick with the pass with a guy with a big arm like JT Daniels? Well, I think you use your running backs in the passing game is what you do, and and I think you know Kendall Milton and. Kenny McIntosh probably emerge as, as the best two running backs before all is said and done, Kendall especially running the ball. Uh, I think if you run the ball against Clemson, you know, the reason you do that is because you want to try to neutralize that Clemson pass rush. And, you know, they do think a lot of JT Daniels, and that means you've got to protect him and keep him healthy. So uh, you've got to have some semblance of a run game so that you're not one-dimensional. I know Clemson – will be challenged in that capacity. You know, last year they only ranked 11th in, the, in their own conference in the run game, even though they had Travis Etienne. So I think Georgia's probably got a better chance to stay in balance than Clemson does in this game. Mike, do you think at running back they go with the, the hot hand uh, depth chart, I guess? I mean, is there going to be – is it Samir White's job and then – a couple of guys will sprinkle in some carries, or is it literally week to week the guy that's performed the best, or maybe the guy who's playing the best is going to end up as kind of the feature back of the week, I guess. I don't really have a better way to say it, but they're so deep at running back with guys that probably deserve playing time. Are they going to try to feature one guy? How do you think they play that? 
Well, I think it has to do with the matchup and, and what they're going to want the running back to do. Obviously, James Cook is probably the most experienced in the pass game. Uh, I think he probably starts against Clemson, uh, whereas I think Kendall has probably moved past Zamir White in terms of the best runner on the team. Uh, Zamir probably has some role playing to do, probably gets some carries uh, in September. Uh, Kenny McIntosh is a pretty versatile guy, play all three down, so uh, I think it's going to rotate. I think you're going to see all those guys used, but I would expect a lot of James Cook out of the gate because I expect him to throw the ball to the backs a lot against Clemson. Mike, I mean, when you look at it, when you look at these linebackers slash off outside linebackers, I mean, Quay Walker, Nolan Smith, you know, Trayvon, I mean, uh, Nicobe Dean, Adam Anderson, which one of these guys, all these guys are capable, but which one of these guys do you think becomes that alpha dog for that front seven? Because it's going to be a lot on those guys, even with the addition of Darion Kendrick in the back end. As you mentioned, you replace a tire. Tyke Smith, which one of those guys you think ends up emerging as that elite pass rusher and a guy that just lives in the backfield? I think they'll do a lot of different things with Adam Anderson. Uh, I like Adam a lot. Uh, I think Nolan Smith is primed for a, a really big year. He's going to finally get his opportunity now that Aziz Ajilari has gone on to the NFL. Uh, so between Nolan and, and Adam Anderson, I think those are probably your 1A and 1B sack leaders and just a matter of how Dan Lanning moves those guys around and, and what those offenses look like they're giving up. Mike Griffith joining us here on 3 and Out. Uh, defensively, obviously Clemson presents challenges that maybe uh, a number of other teams don't. How do you think they go about attacking a Clemson team that obviously wants to play fast and, uh, and try to spread you out at the same time? Well, I think, you know, DJ probably hasn't seen the kind of pressure that he's going to see from from Georgia. I mean, uh, Cincinnati had a pretty mobile quarterback, and I think he got sacked nine times. So uh, I, I think if you're Georgia, you do want to keep pressure on DJ. First things first, though, you got to erase the run one-dimensional uh, so that you know they're dropping back and throwing it. And if you can do that with guys like uh, Big Jordan Davis and, and Devontae Wyatt, Jalen Carter, you know, Georgia has some real premium uh, interior defensive lineman, probably the best in the country. And so I think they'll probably erase the run game and put Clemson on their heels into a, a pass situation where you might see Clemson throw the ball upwards of 40 or 45 times even. Mike, I mean, this, this, this first game, obviously it's huge implications for both teams. It's not like neither one, uh, you know, wants to come out with a loss. But what has to happen for Georgia – uh, to win this game. It's not like they don't got the talent, but what, in your opinion, what has to happen for Georgia for them uh, to come out victorious against uh, Clemson? They got to win the turnover battle. You know, I think as long as Georgia doesn't turn it over more than Clemson, they should win. Uh, easier said than done. Um, but, you know, because they have the better run game, because they have the better special teams, because they have the more experienced quarterback, I think it's really about taking care of the ball. And uh, I think if they can do that, that should be enough for them to beat Clemson. When you talk about that, where's your, your I guess, comfort level with that with the offense? I know JT Daniels has got a lot of preseason praise uh, heaped his way. Heisman Trophy maybe a betting favorite there, but we saw him for just four games. How do you uh, evaluate his ability to take care of the ball in a big game like this, certainly Clemson? Well, you know, I think he'll have to improve from last year, but, you know, his mobility be a little bit better, uh, his familiarity with the offense and 
Uh, certainly the level of competition steps up, but I think JT's learned to get rid of the ball quicker. And I think he's more in sync with the receiving core. And, you know, it's year two of a new offense. Really, you know, last year was kind of a year zero. I mean, Todd Munkin really didn't have an opportunity uh, to work much with the team in the spring. Uh, the fall camp was abbreviated. I think they ended up, what, starting, what, three quarterbacks? And really four when you think about it. You know, Jamie Newman was kind of getting the first team reps in the off season. So, you know, this is a team that never really got comfortable and was at a pretty big disadvantage with, a new coordinator, new terminology, and uh, starting using four different number one quarterbacks in one season, still finishing the top ten. This Georgia team, obviously, you know, where, where does it stack up? I know that Kirby Smart has been a guy that has some incredible teams. That 2018 team was special. You had a bunch of guys coming back, Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, you know, DeAndre Swift. I know that Jake Fromm ended up being the starter. Do you think this 2020 team stacks up? When I, when I'm sorry, 2021 team stacks up with that 2018 team. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, you had an experienced guy coming back and Jake Fromm and won the first six games of the 2018 season. There was no reason to make any changes. He was ranked in the top ten in passing efficiency. He was able to distribute the ball, and that's what you wanted when you had a lot of playmakers. You weren't really interested necessarily in a playmaking quarterback so much as a more of a point guard, I guess. And I, I look at JT similar to that. I don't know that JT has the supporting cast. Jake did. I mean, if you look on the roster, you'd say, yeah, but Pickens is out. Blaylock's out. Darnell Washington is out. Uh, we think Jermaine Burton can be special, but he's pretty young. Aaron Smith, another guy with a high ceiling, but also very young and somewhat inexperienced. Uh, pretty good running back core, but I'm not ready to say that any of them are DeAndre Swift yet. Maybe, uh, Maybe Kendall Milton has that potential uh, to be a Nick Chubb kind of guy, but another young player. We already talked about the offensive line, uh, probably not on par with 2018. However, on the other side of the ball, this defensive front is special, and I think they're better in the defensive front than they were in 2018. Probably not as good on the back end, though. Uh, the advantage they have is a, is a more favorable schedule. Uh, after this Clemson game, it's pretty much downhill. Uh, even when they play Florida, in Florida, of course. Um, but in terms of the outlook, yeah, I think this is a team that probably doesn't lose more than one regular season game, and, and then we'll see who they play and how they play in the SEC championship game. Mike Griffith, uh, Dog Nation, joining us here on the Three and Out. Mike, finally, it's Georgia and Clemson a week from Saturday, not in Sanford Stadium, not in Death Valley, a great kind of southern rivalry being played in Charlotte. Uh, does that kind of uh, take anything away from this game or add to it? Or how do you think that plays uh, Georgia and Clemson in North Carolina? Well, it's exciting, you know, coming out of the COVID year. It's unfortunate that it's not a home-and-home. Home. You know, I think uh, – Sanford Stadium and Death Valley are, are two of the better game day environments. You know, those those neutral site games are kind of vanilla. Um, you know, I'd say the same thing about Jacksonville. You know, a lot of people like the game down there, but it's it's really a disadvantage for Georgia to be 340 miles from home, not necessarily because of the split of the crowd, uh, but just because you're not going to get any recruits there that weekend. And that's uh, that could be a recruiting weekend. You know, for a game like this, it's at the start of the year, so I don't think it hurts you quite as much. Um, I do think it'll be a bit of a spectacle, but, you know, if I had my druthers, I'd like to see these teams playing on their campuses, and I just feel like it's a lot uh, better environment. 
I think the game just seems to mean a little bit more for a team that you can go in and steal one at somebody's stadium. Uh, that, that's a pretty special Saturday afternoon. And uh, I no, you, you no, Mike Griffith, Dog Nation, we got to go, uh, Ben. Sorry, Mike Griffith, Dog Nation, uh, joining us here on uh, Three and Out. Mike, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. All right, guys, look forward to talking to you next week. Appreciate it. Uh, Mike Griffith joining us here on uh, Three and Out as uh, Georgia and Clemson coming up, Ben, in a neutral site game. I know we talk a lot about Georgia, Florida that week and the, the specialness uh, that it has uh, for that game. It's Georgia and Clemson. In North Carolina, I think it'll be a good atmosphere. But uh, to me, this would be uh, awesome if it was in Athens or, or Death Valley. It would be. It would be, Kevin. But I mean, it, it, you know, uh, hopefully that uh, it, uh, you can go out there with all the protocols. I'm always thinking about these sidelines because Kevin, if if they allow it, these sidelines gonna be star studded. I mean, I can see Deshaun over there. You know, I can see Taj Boyd over there. You know, I can see I can see uh, DeAndre Hopkins over there on one side. On the other sideline, you know, you talk about Ben Watson. You talk about Aaron Murray. You know, you talk about Jarvis. John. It's going to be star studded, but but I do agree, Kevin. I mean, these are the type of games you want to get you want you want to get back to. You want to have the best teams. That's in close proximity, whether they're in the SEC or the ACC alliance, whatever the ACC is going to be after this year. I think it's great for college football, yeah. But Georgia Clemson is always going to be good, regardless of the teams, regardless of the record. It's freaking Georgia Clemson. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game. I, again, I think the uh, it's not a uh, traditional like every year rivalry uh, here in the last handful of years, but still one that uh, Georgia and Clemson love playing each other. Man, I wish we could see this uh, a little more often in college football. It'd be a, it'd be a lot of fun to uh, to watch. But appreciate Mike Griffith joining us, Dog Nation, uh, here on the show. Also, Adam Rittenberg, ESPN.com, joined us. If you miss either of those conversations, catch the podcast version of Three and Out every day. We put it on uh, ESPNCoastal.com. You can go to our YouTube page, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Get the uh, podcasted version of Three and Out uh, every single day. We've got uh, high school first look with PJ Zuko coming up as soon as we are done here. PJ going to get you all set up for all the, the, the goings on in the world of high school football. And what's set to happen coming up on Friday night? And this is, I guess, week two of the high school football season. Looking forward to it, uh, folks. As fan, we will have uh, Benedictine and Christopher Columbus out of Miami uh, coming up on a Friday. Looking forward to uh, that. PJ will get you the very latest for all that as well. But nothing quite like uh, Friday nights and uh, PJ with high school first book. Every Thursday, we'll get you set up with interviews with coaches, preview all the matchups uh, going on up and down the coast in our area every single Thursday night. So it does a great job with that. Again, appreciate uh, all of those who join us. Appreciate you for joining us here on the show. I'm Kevin Thomas. He's been Troop. Hope to have uh, BJ Bennett back with us uh, tomorrow on the show as well. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. 